Blog Talk Radio. Tonight on Ready to Unload with Cal and Sam Pete on September 28th, 2010. Welcome to the big show. The giant mess in the new Meadowland Sunday has us focused on the G-Men in the big unload. And we will talk about the Jets and their huge win in Miami, despite the fact that they are complete degenerates. The Yankees are having a September to forget, but they've done this before. We've seen this movie. And they're one win away from clinching the playoffs. Will they do it tonight? We don't know. Maybe they will. And the NL wild card is still up for grabs. We've got a lot of baseball to talk. And then we'll have the RTU fun load tonight. It's about our favorite times of the sporting year, fall. And what we're coming into is a very strong candidate. We want to hear from you guys about that, what you guys think. We have strong opinions on it. We'll also be talking to native New Yorker and former Cleveland sports talk show host Ron Brynas about his beloved Giants. He's going to join us at about 9.20 to talk Giants football. And then we have Dave Rutley from FantasyFootballAdvisor.com. He's going to join us for the Fantasy Five. We got all this and your calls, 424-220-1817. It's Tuesday night. It's 9 o'clock. We are Cal and Sam Pete. We are ready to unload. And hello, Cal. <laughs> there we go. Stick. Yes. Welcome to the show, September 28th, 2010. Cal, we're not doing the episode thing anymore, so let me just welcome you in. Well, let me just, thank let me, you. Let me just bring you right in here. My partner in crime, my partner in grime, my partner in everything, all things sports related. Brian Calneva, Caliente, Calpino. Calvi. Here we go. Hello, Brian. How are you, my friend? I'm good, Steve. Steve, I'm real good. What's shaking over there? We are, we are here. We have got a ton to get to. Let's welcome in Dr. E. Ray Stat as well. Let's go right to Dr. E. Ray Stat. Let's get him in here. Dr. E. Ray, how are you doing tonight? Oh, I'm good, and I'm ready to unload. Yes, you are. <laughs> and it's a good thing because that's the name of the show. Dr. E. Ray Stat is, of course, our, our lead statistician, our uh, producer, our, our Baba Booey, our Fafa Flunky. And uh, he will be providing delicious and nutritious stats throughout the show, as well as his take and opinion on things like the Yankees, Cal, things like that, you know? The Yankees, the Jets, the, the Giants. Jets, the Giants. He comes in and he brings the funny, Cal, doesn't he? He, brings he sure the... does. How was, your, when... uh, how was your week, partner? My week was good. You know, what, went... you know what's almost over, Cal? What's almost over? The, the debacle that is the 2010 Mets season. Just about. Um, but not before they have to play a double header tomorrow. Yeah. <laughs> there should be a very, 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 very tight-knit gathering at that ballgame. I don't know. I think, I think they will let some of the people in the stands play tomorrow. Yes. Yes. It's, it's coach third base day at right. the stadium. Or pick, your, uh, or pick your job, whatever you want to do. <laughs> right. <laughs> so, Cal, let's get right to it because we've got a huge show. Uh, the number to call, 424-220-1817. We have uh, Ron Brynas coming up, former uh, Cleveland sports talk show host, Cal. 
he's a yeah. big giant guy. He's a huge giant fan. Uh, he is also uh, the executive producer of MX Labs right now, which is a marketing and branding company. Uh, big guy in sports, great guy. We're very excited to talk to him. We're going to talk to him at 920 about the Giants. So, Cal, we start there. We start with the New York football Giants, or as I heard the other day, or today I think it was, the best line I heard, Cal? What's that? The New York Jets pledge class this season. Oh. The Giants, the Giants are the Jets 2010. They played like they were the Jets 2010 pledge class. That's that's rough. Is that a good line? I think it was in like the Daily News. Good line. It's a good it's a good line, but it's rough. What what the heck happened on that field on Sunday, Cal? These are the Giants we're talking about. I don't know what happened on these the are, field. These are the class act, well coached, disciplined New York Football Giants, and this is two weeks in a row where they anything, have looked anything but anything but. I mean, it was. Throughout that whole game, it was it was just it was just a sloppy mess. And what is going on with Eli Manning? Did that throw down at the, at the goal line? I, that was like when you throw a ball and like you're a righty. We're, I'm a righty. I throw a ball and I say, "Oh look, I'm gonna look what happens if I throw a ball lefty." And you and you look very uncoordinated and right. and spastic. <laughs> um, but you would never expect an NFL quarterback making a hundred million dollars to do that on the three yard line. Yeah, I mean, that was bad idea, Gene. That was, you know, that was, uh, when am I going to be back in Haiti again and not using a condom? That was bad idea, Gene. Uh, it was just a ridiculous play that will be replayed over and over again. And it reminded me of, like, if the oh, Giants, yeah. if the Giants somehow, Cal, go, like, oh, 4-12 and 12 this year. Mm-hmm. You know how the Bubby Brister, <laughs> the shovel pass, uh-huh. is the epitome of the 1-15 in 15 season? Yes. That is the play they will show over and over. But the Giants shouldn't go four and twelve, Cal. This is not they a four and twelve team. I mean, no, what is they're... going on? Six personal fouls, Cal. Come on. And and you know this this whole nonsense at a Coughlin saying that he warned them during the week that the Titans are a chippy team. Come on now. I don't buy it. You got to be better than that. You can't let them goad you into penalties. I don't buy Come it. On. I mean, Kareem McKenzie with two. Two key penalties late in the game, unsportsmanlike conduct. Two unsportsmanlike, and Antrell Roll, wow. I mean, he just, he keeps adding to the giant resume here. Hey, welcome to the tri-state <laughs> area, Antrell. <laughs> he is having quite, quite a first month here in the oh, Big boy. Apple. He, he, talk, about, uh, talk about not blending in. Yeah, talk about just being a wallflower. You know what, guys, I'm just going to get the lay of the land. <laughs> just going to be real quiet. <laughs> Let me know if you want me to say. I mean, he goes off on WFAN last week about how the, the team is too structured and there's too, there's too much rigidity uh, in, in, in they're trying to control everything that the players are doing. Hey, Antrell, how about some of that control the other day in the game? Yeah. You know, how about using a little self-control in the game the other day? He gets whistled for a personal foul. He gets pulled from the game. Cal, the overriding theme here. This is a, a game where the Giants outgained the Titans by 200 yards. Okay, by 200 well, yards, and it was a much closer game than it should have been. Right. This is, this is on Tom Coughlin, Cal. Well, it was a much closer game in terms of the score and the stats because a lot of those yardage, a lot of that yardage was put up by Eli Manning in in garbage time. You right. know, so that so we can't really look at the numbers too much. Okay. We kind of have to look at the way the game played out. And you're right. A lot of this is on Tom Coughlin, 
But what I what I don't accept is his excuse in the post game interview where he take put all the blame on me. This is all my fault. I, it's I, it's partially his fault because he's got to prepare his players. He's got to instill a sense of discipline in them and get them prepared for the game. But he's not the one out there taking unsportsmanlike conduct penalties. He's not the one out there taking chop blocks, you know, like Ahmad Bradshaw did. He, he's got to put some onus on the players, and I thought it was really odd that he took the entire heat for everything that happened in that locker room after the game. Well, it's two straight weeks now, right? Two weeks ago you had the no-show against the Colts. I mean, literally where they did not look like they belonged on the same field with the Colts. And, and you know, that's fine. Colts home opener, Colts PO'd in a major way because they lost to the Texans in week one. So everybody kind of wrote that game off and said, that, oh, that's a free game. That's a free game. You know, they won week one against Carolina. We now know that Carolina stinks on ice. All right, but they won week one against Carolina, and everybody wrote off that game, Cal. And now you come into this past week with the Titans, a team that, you, you know, on paper they should match up pretty well against, okay, other than Chris Johnson. But if you shut down Chris Johnson, you, you should win the ball game. And the, and the Steelers provided a blueprint for it the week before, right? Oh, absolutely. So, what is, you know, what is going on in the week of preparation? And I understand that Tom Coughlin took this all on himself. And it is the players. You're right, Cal. But he, he, the way he took it on himself bothers me. In other words, it, to me, it seemed like him saying, well, I warned them. You know, it's my fault. I didn't drill into their heads that, that the Titans are a chippy team and that they're going to try to goad us into penalties. That's not, that's not like even taking responsibility to me. No, I, it, was, it was a lot of empty words in that press conference. Yeah, it, know, and it was, was, it's saying we should have won the game and, you know, they goaded us into those penalties. You committed those penalties. Yeah, I don't, I don't want to hear all the better team didn't win and we beat ourselves and, you know, all, all of those excuses that you heard out of the team who didn't, quite frankly, a lot of the comments coming out of that locker room didn't sound like they took this loss that seriously. No, you I know? agree. I agree. It, 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 it was just very ho-hum, like, oh, you know, well, we're just we're one and two, it's early, we'll get them next week, not a big deal. Yeah, I saw a lot of that as well, Cal, and I feel like there was an overriding feeling, too, of we were the better team today. Yes. And so, you know, we should have won, but we committed all these stupid penalties. We did it to ourselves. Well, you're not the better team if you can't stay disciplined and, and you beat yourself. It doesn't make you the better team. That's absolutely right. And you're also, Cal, you can't be the better team when you're minus, you know, four turnovers for the season. And that you know? too. And they've turned the ball over ten times in three games. Yeah. And, and that, to me, reeks of a team that, you know, in the early going of the season, Cal, thinks hot, more highly of themselves than they should. Well, that, that goes to a point that we talked about um, the fact that they're coming off the Super Bowl, the Super Bowl is now, what, two years ago, three years ago? A lot of the personnel has changed. I don't know, you know, if they're still living off of that. Uh, it, it seems like there's some sort of... They believe their own hype. Yeah, it seems like there's some sort of, uh, sort of feeling of entitlement. Like, yeah. you know, if, if you dare say that uh, this is a team that, you know, started out 5-0 and and went 3-8 and the rest, of, the rest of the season last year, okay, and has come out this year and laid two stinkers in a row, including one at home on Sunday, for fans paying a lot of money for PSLs, mm-hmm. 
you know, and, and somehow feels like that. Well, you can't get on us, though. I mean, we did win the Super Bowl three years ago. You know, Steve, the other thing that strikes me about this team, and it goes back to last year, is they, they lack an ability to show any fight. So if they, fall down, if they fall down early in the game, you have no confidence that they're going to be able to fight their way back into this game. They kind of just roll over, and, you know, they're great. They are great when things are going well. Right. You know, they're front runners. Is, right. Is the term I like to use. They're great when things are going well, and they're flying, and they're dancing, and they're bumping chests and everything. It's great. But the minute they face a little bit of adversity, they crumble, and a lot of that's got to be on the coach. That's absolutely right. And you got guys, you know, yelling at the coach, guys talking back to the coach. He has to sit guys during the game on Sunday. And where's the leadership, Cal? Maybe, well, you know, they, they called out Mark Sanchez. I'm sorry, Cal. They called out Mark Sanchez a couple weeks ago. You know, I, I believe it was Teddy Bruschi called out Mark Sanchez as a front runner. When things right. are going, the word you just used. When things are going well, he's the greatest guy to have around in the world. And when they're not, he shrugs, you know, he sulks his shoulders. He's uh, a mess. He's not a leader, blah, blah, blah. The Giants, to me right now, are a team full of front runners. That's funny. I guess I didn't come up with that. <laughs> no, I heard no, it. Ab- absolutely. I, I, That's it, where I got it from. Teddy Bruschi, he said it. That's right. Right, but no one has said it about the Giants, Cal. But no they one are. has said it about the Giants. And they are right now. The, the minute there's any sort of adversity, they're going to the sidelines and yelling at Tom Coughlin. Yeah, and I don't know, I, I, for a guy that has made a career and, and has a reputation of being such a strict disciplinarian, it's, it's startling to see these players go back at him like this. It's crazy. Yeah, I know, I agree, and, and, all, and we're going to talk about this with Ron Brynas in, in a couple of seconds, uh, but Cal, it's also, you know, has he flipped the switch a while back and changed his image? He was, you know, Tom Coughlin was the the stern disciplinarian coach right. and so gruff. And also his reactions on the sideline, you know, he would go crazy on the sideline, like a nutty little leprechaun. <laughs> he was like beat red. Yeah. I mean, just, you know, you really cocoa puffs on the sideline. You feared his, his head would actually explode on the <laughs> sideline. <laughs> and, and look, you know, Tom Coughlin has proven that he's a good coach. I mean, absolutely. But uh, what I was going to say was he seems to have, he flipped the switch back then and became sort of a more player-friendly coach. And, and, and then is he going to go back to being a disciplinarian now? I don't, Cal, I don't know if you saw this, but I tweeted about it because I thought it was really funny. It was just like a blurb in the paper the other day about how and, – and it said – I think the wording was Tom Coughlin to dissolve or disband the leadership council. The what? See that? Well, apparently a couple of years ago – you know, I think during the Super Bowl run, he established what he called a leadership council. That's right. And he, and he had a lot of the key veterans join him in making decisions about the team. That's right. 11 That's guys. Right. And it was uh, the idea 11? to be, I think it was 11. That's a quarter of the team. Maybe it was less. Maybe it was less. Maybe, maybe Dr. Eric had looked that up for us. Could you imagine? <laughs> it's like everybody but the punter. Right. Come on in. You're on the leadership committee. Actually, Fiegels was there last year. You know Fiegels had to be on that. <laughs> I, would, I would put, uh, you know, Fiegels on there for sure. But, you know, the, 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 but he had this leadership council, right? And, and it was supposed to be a sounding board because there were so many problems. Remember when Coughlin would, like, penalize guys for being, uh, you know, f- not being five minutes early to a meeting? Yes. Like, that's how disciplined things were. You know, you'd get a penalty and a fine for not being five minutes early to a meeting. 
Right, or he set the clock ahead. Correct. Right, right. So you got like right. So you got um, you know, he put together this leadership council where guys were going to be able to bounce things off each other and bounce things off the coach, and this was a part of the warm, fuzzy Tom Coughlin. Right. And very quietly the other day, this thing said, you know, this little blurb in the paper said, Coughlin to disband, dissolve leadership council, to which I tweeted, that's impossible. How would the emperor maintain order without the bureaucracy? (laughs) Because it sounded sounded a lot to me like something out of Star Wars. Like, was he sitting there like Palpatine? Like, we're quite ready to disband. (laughs) So, but he... Very quietly, <laughs> much I like the emperor. Wh- I was wondering why he was wearing a cloak. Right. <laughs> there was a disturbance in the force. Very quietly, much like the emperor, disbanded the leadership council. Right. Now, does that mean he's going to go back to, you know, being the gruff guy, being McGruff the crime dog? Uh, I don't know. I don't know if you can go back at this point. Right. That's the, well, that's the other huge question. I mean, can yeah. you go back to being that guy? I think you lose a lot of credibility with, with, your, with your team if you, if you keep showing the ability. It's good to show the ability to change and adapt to certain situations, but if you sure. keep flip-flopping like that, you're going to lose a lot of respect from your team. Although, with guys yelling in his face on the sideline, I don't know how much respect he's got. Yeah, well, that's the thing. It's, it seems to me, and, and I, I don't want us to feel like we're all over the place on the Giants, but we are setting up to talk to Ron Brynas in a couple of seconds. Uh, some some more about the Giants and whatever else Ron wants to talk about. Uh, he's a chatty Kathy. I don't know. Can I say why am I stuck in 1950 sometimes with these references? I don't know. Um, but he's the bee's knees. He, <laughs> he sure is. Oh, I can't wait to get to him. Going to be fantastic that, radio. That fellow sure is swell. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Let's go to Ron in, in a couple of seconds. But uh, what I was going to say is. Can you go back and forth? Can you switch back and forth? And is it too late for him to do so? The Giants never seem seem to be so reticent to dismiss or get rid of guys that are against the program. We saw it with OCU Manura last year. We saw it with Brenda, uh, we're seeing it with Brandon Jacobs this year. You know, when are they going to to do that? You know what I mean? When are they going to get the gumption up and cut ties with a guy who doesn't want to be here or complains about being here? It's really, it's really very un-Giant-like when you think about it, because you, you, the Giants have a history of, of not standing for that kind of stuff. Absolutely. All right, Cal, let's, uh, let's bring in Ron, uh, Ron Brynas now. He's executive producer of MGX Lab. It's a marketing and branding company. He is also a native New Yorker. He is the founder of All in the Family Productions, and he is a former uh, uh, Cleveland talk show, sports talk show host. Let's welcome Ron Brynas into the program. Ron, welcome to Radio Unload with Cal and Sam Pete. How are you, my friend? What's up, fellas? Thanks for having me on. Oh, it's our pleasure, Ron. Welcome to the show. Uh, Steve Sampietro here in Bayside in the studios in Queens. And uh, Brian Calvi, and of course, you uh, spoke to Dr. E. Ray Stad over there. So, Ron, let's get right to it. No, I, w- I want to ask you a question first. Are, are we going to be doing a live remote from the White Castle up on Bell Boulevard? <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know what? I, that is the, like the third request I have had for the live remote I, I, from... From the White Castle. And I'm, ho- and I'm hoping I'm getting some gift certificates, coupons, some sort of swag from White Castle from you guys as a guest on the show. Oh, Along well, with we... the turtle wax to keep with the 1950s theme. <laughs> That's right. We're definitely going to be getting you a gift certificate to Donovan's over on, uh, over on Bell. That's for sure. Good enough. Good enough. <laughs> All right. Ron, let's get right to it. We know you're a big Giant fan. Uh, we know you're a big Met fan. We'll save that for another 
debacle. Uh, but with the Giants, what I want to ask, what's, what's worse to you? Uh, obviously, you heard Cal and I getting into it, but what's worse for you? What's more disconcerting, the loss from two weeks ago to the Colts, which was a whitewash, or this just mistake-laden, undisciplined loss this past Sunday to the Titans? This one, certainly this one. The Colts won, you know, you've, you've seen that movie before, so to say. You know, a team like the Colts, who you know are a lot better than they showed against the Texans, coming to a home opener on national TV. And, you know, you've seen it before. Like I said, they got they got punched in the face fast, and it was over quickly. Um, this one was more more disconcerting, I thought, because... You know, if, if you if you can take away, if you can if you can see that game without all the the mistakes, the turnovers, and the penalties, they dominated the game. <clears throat> you know, and and certainly it's disconcerting any time you see a team with the turnovers, with the penalties, and, and it always gets pointed back to the coach, and rightfully so. But it's you know, I think a lot of this conversation of what you guys are talking about, I feel like almost everyone's kind of talking around it and. For some reason, the coach is always the lowest hanging fruit, especially in football. And it's easiest to, to point the finger towards him, and especially, again, with the penalties and the turnovers. But this leadership council, all this, you know, players play at the end of the day. Kareem McKenzie's got a ring on his finger, you know. This guy's been in the league. This is a guy who's behaved most of his career. So is it because Tom Coughlin doesn't have a leadership council or has – lost his vibe uh, for the pulse, I, you know, I don't think so. I think in some ways maybe he's pushing the wrong buttons, but, you know, come on, man. These are guys who have rings on their fingers, who have been there. They've seen it done before. They need to be accountable, too, you know, and, and certainly Coughlin doesn't get off the hook fully in my book. Um, but to come full circle, that, yeah, the loss, was, the loss was disconcerting and upsetting on Sunday because they outplayed them because I do believe the Giants have a lot of talent and have the ability to be a good team and a playoff team. And Coughlin does need to, to find the right messaging again. But I, I personally think more so the players need to look within. These are guys, like I said, with rings on their fingers, guys who have been in the league for a while. Come on, give me a break. Well, no, Ron, you bring up a good point. Now, do you, do you feel like there's a sense of entitlement with these guys? That's the first part. And the second part is, how does Tom Coughlin go about holding these players accountable for, for the way they're performing? You know, it, it's tough. And you guys know you've been around it before. It's tough if you're not around the team on a daily basis. I'm not even talking the organization. If you're in the media, you don't quite know what the tenor is. And, and I don't know what the tenor I'm not around this team on a daily basis. I don't know what the tenor of this team is, is like on a daily basis. I mean, remember back – you know, to, to 08 with, with winning the Super Bowl, I mean, at the beginning of that season with 0-2, you had guys who were flapping. You know, guys were talking. Shockey was talking and Burris was talking. And, you know, there were very similar conversations going on as the one we're having right now. And I'm not saying that this thing is necessarily ending in the Super Bowl, but I think it's a little early. I think Tom Coughlin, at the very least, because he's become the focal point now of, of what's going on on the field, is, you know, a guy who, whether in Jacksonville or now here, has been a, you have to call this guy a B or a B-plus coach for what he's done, probably more towards a B-plus because of the ring. So I think that he's granted a little more than, than three weeks of a season before the whole hammer starts coming down. And certainly the body of work and the Super Bowl glory is, is, continues to wash away a little bit more. But for me, I, I still think that the guy has proven in his career as a coach that he knows how to turn things around, and he's ultimately a winner. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I, I definitely agree with that, Ron, to the extent that, you know, I would put Coughlin as, as definitely a B-plus coach, and to maybe even an A-minus coach, because he has one of the greatest uh, victories, single-game victories and single-game coaching jobs in, in, you know, arguably the NFL or NFL history, definitely in this town in New York. 
and I think that the way that they won that championship buys him a lot of, you know, a lot more cachet than it would, uh, you know, Jim Foster. But here's the thing. But you let know. me ask you this. Here's the thing, though. Agreed, right? But does it? Is that just by well because he did that, or because it's been proven? that he can do that. It's, people kind of say that, well, you kind of get this grace period, but it really should be assessed on the individual. I mean, there are some monkeys who catch lightning in a bottle sometimes, and, and they don't get afforded that kind of grace period. I mean, Fossil didn't win a Super Bowl, but we all knew the guy ultimately was a smoke and mirrors routine as a head coach, and he was treated as such. But Absolutely. Again, no, I, no, I, I definitely, uh, uh, you know, Coughlin is a proven coach. I mean, he did it in Jacksonville. He's done it with the Giants. He's, he's, he's been a proven winner. His methods have worked. My question is, though, and, and what I'm interested in right now is three weeks into this, you have a, a, a situation where does he have to return to being the kind of gruff disciplinarian that he was before he made that switch? Because he was not a player's coach before they made their Super Bowl run. And he was definitely known as a disciplinarian. And uh, has, has he somewhat lost the team to the fact that he has to go back to those ways a little bit? Because those were sort of his proven methods before he became this kind of player-friendly coach. And then, you know, the, the Plaxico Burris incident, which we all know set the franchise back. But does he have to kind of go back to the disciplinarian ways? You know, it, it's again, it's tough to say, and I hate to give an, an answer, non-answer, but if you're not around a team and you don't know what buttons need to be pushed, it's tough to say. I mean, especially in today's day and age with player personalities. I mean, back in the day, sure. more or less most of the guys would fall in line. And, right. and the, the dynamic from coach to player was a lot different. I mean, you know, you see a guy like Anshel Roll coming over here and the way he's behaving, it's a, it's a whole different dynamic now a lot of times. And, and the coach is not only a coach, but he's a, a psychiatrist as well, and psychologist in, in trying to motivate and push the right buttons with these guys. So does he need to go back to that? It, it, it's tough to say. It's right. really tough to say not being around the situation. And I do think, you know, you look at any team that's won in any sport, I mean, especially in football, you, know, you show me a Super Bowl team and, and I'll show you leaders on that team and guys who stand up and do lead. And it is, again, a little cliche, but it bears out factually most of the time. And, you know, Michael Strand, for a guy who was immature a lot of his career and certainly didn't fall into line properly and, and probably talked a little bit too loud and they had too much dirty laundry, by the end of the whole thing, he was in line and he was a legitimate veteran leader, and I do believe that his voice in that locker room was, was very significant in getting the ring. Oh, absolutely. So, I, yeah, I, was, so, I mean, I was going to bring up Strand. It seems like they're, they're missing that guy. I mean, it yeah, seems like, I mean, you know, but again, we're not around the team every day. You're absolutely right, Ron. You know, we can only go by what we see and what we read and, and Twitter and, and how you follow the team and stuff like that, but it does seem like they're lacking that veteran guy when O.C. Humanura pops off, Brandon Jacobs pops off, guys are talking back to the coach during the game. You know, it, you, know it, you wonder if there's again, a guy that needs to put him in line. Well, again, we've seen this with Coughlin and the Giants. We've seen this in his in his run here. The guys talking back to him and this type right. of behavior. And you know, again, it, it 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 is. It makes it makes you flinch when you look at it. And it's it's bad. You never want to see it. And it's certainly, as you guys are saying, it's very ungiant like when you see it. But unfortunately, you've seen it before. And if you look outside your own house, a lot of times around the league, you just see this type of stuff going on. It's a lot more prevalent. And I'm not letting Coughlin off the hook. Because again, obviously by the behavior of the players, obviously by the penalties and all the crap that you see going on, he is culpable here. There's there's no doubt. There's there's no doubt about it. But I think that this is, you know, the uh 
the, the whole is the sum of the parts here, and he's just one of the parts. And the players, again, with these guys who are not all young, you look at the offense, you look at the offensive line, and these guys have been here, guys on the defensive side who have played. I mean, you know, everybody as a whole needs to step up here. Like I said, there's obviously talent here, and I think that that's the one thing that, that I'll continue to take away unless we go deeper into this season and, and see them really kind of falling behind everything and continuing to play like this. Uh, you know, I'd like to think that the talent will rise to the top. These guys know how to play clean, crisp football, and I think that they will again. I think they'll beat the Bears on Sunday night. Now, Ron, if the, uh, if the Giants don't, if the talent doesn't win out this season and the Giants continue to struggle, there's a guy out there that's been connected to this giant job for quite some time. That's Bill Cower and, we saw in the Daily News today, the New York Daily News, Jerome Bettis is uh, connecting Cower to the Giants. Do you think there's anything to that? Right. I mean, Bettis has, has done this before, hasn't he? Is he, like, <laughs> yeah. getting a cut on the whole deal or something? <laughs> um, you know, again, I think it. I mean, it, it's certainly possible. It is certainly a, a very high-profile NFL job. There's no doubt about it. Again, to, to, to our point we're talking about, there is talent there, so... For Bill Cowher to have interest in the job if it became available, I wouldn't be surprised by that at all. I don't think that anybody within the organization right now at any level, you know, maybe some players and they're not the right types of players if they are, nobody's thinking about Bill Cowher right now. This is week four of the season coming up here. You know, yeah, it's, 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 it's definitely, you know, absolutely, Ron. It's definitely too early. It's just funny how, uh, you know, these things start to swirl so early on, and, and Bettis is a guy who, as you said, has done this before, and, and you know, should start calling him Johnny Rumor. I mean, you know, knock it off. And I didn't know that, you know, he and Cower, like, text all day long. I mean, apparently, uh, you know, they're, they're, you know, I know they're friends or whatever, but uh, somehow Jerome right, Bettis I mean, think, think know the where Bill is going. Two, right, the visual of these two guys with right. nothing but time on their hands. Bettis got to wait 320 by now. Right. You know, and Cower's half out of his mind. He needs to go coach again. Exactly. And, 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 That's a sitcom and, waiting to happen. <laughs> it would be it would be a great landing for him, but again, I, I don't think that it's in anybody's mind in the organization. And I certainly would would think that Bill Cower has more than enough respect for Tom Coughlin to oh, to stay far absolutely. away from the situation. So, you know, again, if the thing plays out negatively, the the rumor becomes you know probably legitimate and turns into a conversation. But like I said, right now, as a fan, and you know, I could. It's tough sometimes, right, when you when you start talking about teams that you grew up on. You know, I've been going yep. to games, you know, for my entire life with my dad and with family and with friends, and I, right. I think that I'm unbiased and looking at it from a <laughs> from a knowledgeable sports head. But you know, it kind of it walks that line a lot of times. But I, I do think, like I said, it's early. I do yep. think this is a talented team, and and I think they have a a good to very good chance to pull this thing together and to go to the playoffs and, and do some damage potentially. Yeah, and they're and they're also in a situation, Ron, as we uh, as as we have seen with the NFC East, where nobody's run uh, you know run away with it, and uh, you know nobody's off to a hot start. You know the the Cowboys are one and two and, and struggle a bit. The, you know the Redskins are one and two. I mean, you know nobody's running away with that division, and Michael Vick is not going to stay that hot forever. Uh, <laughs> before we let you go, Ron, I just wanted to get you mentioned that you, you think the Giants will come out uh, with a big effort against the Bears on Monday night this week. Uh, the three and zero shocking. Bears, uh, and uh, what, what what makes you think that? What, what, what do you like about the Giants this week against the Bears? Because I really just have trouble believing that they'll come out with the same type of performance that they did on Sunday, that being the Giants. 
um, turning the ball over the penalties. I just I don't see that happening again. And I think they're a better football team. I think that again it's it's cliche, but I think they're the team that needs this game more. This is a home game. They let a game on the schedule that. You know, as much as coaches will claim they're not looking at schedule and tallying up wins and losses, you know, bull crap. Of course yeah, they are. They that are. was a win. <laughs> that was a win. That was a win on Sunday, right? Right. That was a win for all of us, for for coaches, for fans. Yep. For, that was a win. And when you let one of those get away the way they did and the way it did, you need to come out winning. I mean, the Bears are, I guess, a good football team. And I think that remains to be seen. Jay Cutler <laughs> remains to be seen. I you guess know, so. You know, again, I think the Giants come out and I think they play their game and do their thing, and, and I think they win the football game. I think they're the better football team. Yeah, you and know, it's also again. a good it's a good spot for the Giants getting them off a uh, you know off their big emotional game against the uh, the Packers, and and so it's actually a good time for the you know sort of a letdown for the Bears who are playing way over their head anyway, in my estimation. Yeah, yeah and I think you know another thing that's also going on with the Giants that. You know, is not being said a lot because, like we we're saying, everything is so polarized right now on Coughlin. Is that you have a new defensive coordinator the same way you did with with Spagnuolo, and you know it takes a minute for these guys. You have some new players, a new D coordinator. Yep. These things don't always click like that. And you know, I think that side of the football certainly has the ability to to dominate if they can get things going. You know, the linebackers, other than Bowley, I'm not sure they keep yeah, the linebackers much of anything. Are you know, but I think that I think the secondary has, has quite a bit of talent and, and players that think that, that role and, and Phillips are probably the best safety tandem I've ever seen in giant uniform. You know, two guys who can hit and actually cover, which I think is very rare in today's football to see safeties who can who can do both. Even actually yeah. just finding safeties that cover at all. Yeah. You know. Um <laughs> and I think the line obviously has a lot of talent. So I, I think that if Fuel is the real deal, which we don't know if he is or he isn't, but I think if Perry Fuel knows what he's doing, I think you'll see the defense continue to get better and, and start to dominate some football games. Yeah, very similar to what they had with Spags where you know, it took them a couple games and people were going crazy and, and you know, it took them a couple games and it seemed like he was a little in over his head and we'll see if Perry Fuel can turn this around. Ron, we're gonna run. Thank you so much, my friend, and uh We'll talk to you down the line. You give us a shout. Great. It was great talking to you guys. You sound great. I enjoyed it. We'll talk soon. Absolutely. Ron Bryan is uh, calling in, and uh, thanks so much, Ron. Great call. And uh, Ron knows his stuff. He is, uh, I think, if we can get him back about the Giants, uh, we'll be in pretty good shape. Yeah, absolutely. And I'll be curious to see how they come out this week. And, um, you know, they come out and beat up on the Bears. Right, gives Ron a little extra credibility too next week. So. <laughs> yeah, because that's what he's looking for, credibility on our show. That's what he needs. <laughs> yeah. 424-220-1817, the number to call, ready to unload with Cal and Sam Pete and Dr. Erase that. And uh, let's just, again, uh, thank Ron Brynas for joining us. Uh, and uh, we will definitely uh, have Ron back on down the line. Uh, he knows, that man knows his giants. And he, yeah, brought, up, he brought up, you know, an interesting point, Cal. Uh, we've been doing this show for the better part of uh, 10 months, um, you know, but we are not in the media. Uh, we do not have uh, credentials. We are not with teams every day. We are not beat reporters, um, and, and, and uh, nor is Ron. Ron has been in his past, in his career. Uh, but, you know, what we go on when it comes to the players and comes to what we see about our teams is what we can go on. Uh, it's Twitter, it's blog spots, it's guys who cover the team, it's uh, you know what we see when we watch a game on Sunday. So for sure, uh, you know, hopefully as this show goes on, Cal, we'll be able to get some beat reporters on and get people that are with the team every day and you know and talk to people like that. But 
he makes a great point. It's very, very difficult to say what a team needs when you're not in the locker room. Now, that being said, trademark, uh, that's also why we're having fun doing this for the last 10 months. Yeah, that's what we do as fans. Exactly. You know, so so I, I think Ron uh, did a really nice job there coming at it from both angles there. As a fan, you look and, uh, and, and you say, maybe they need to do this, they need to do that, Tom Coughlin needs to do this, you know, et cetera, et cetera. But as a, as a quote-unquote journalist, you, as you're saying that, you realize you have no idea. Right. You, know, you have no idea, but you can just go by the amount of information we get. Anyway, uh, it was a really nice to have Ron on, Cal. Yeah, no, he did a great job. Yeah, and he will get a gift certificate to uh, <laughs> to Donovan's. What's around? I got like a steakhouse on Bell Boulevard. I think we go with the White Castle. We just get a sack of burgers. I have I have been to that White Castle on show nights. Just to let you in on a little secret. <laughs> Is that after the show? After the show, yes. So you're saying when you're in studio here in Bayside, here in Dumpling Sound Studios too? Yes. The Bayside edition, right? Uh, and the Bayside Tigers. Um, you you make a stop at White Castle on the way home. I sure do because it's on the right side of the road. It's got a drive-through. I pull in, I get my food, I hit the light, and I'm off. And that's it. And you know how to steam a ham. I burger. That is. <laughs> They're steamed hams. Didn't you see that Simpsons? Doctor oh, wow. E. saw that Simpsons. He knows that Simpsons. Yeah, I'm sure he has. Four two four two two zero eighteen seventeen. Doctor E. Ray, you know that Simpsons, right? Oh, of course. Yeah, yeah an odd, sure. odd man, Seymour, but you sure know how to steam a good ham. Exactly. Ah, yeah. <laughs> you're an odd man, Seymour, but you're Aurora Borealis, contained entirely in your kitchen. <laughs> <laughs> Ready to unload with Cal and Sam Pete here on September 28, 2010, and it is time to move on to the New York Jets. We would love to take your call, so give us a shout if you want to talk about the Jets or the Giants or the NFL in general. But Cal, yeah, the Jets, holy mackerel. Holy, kinda, Sa- Holy Sanchez, Batman. Kind of, kind of ho hum after talking about the Giants, though. No. Yeah, right, that's right. After after the way the Jets, you know, started the season with with the with the back pages and the drama and the turmoil. Well, it's uh, not like they gave up the back pages last week. No, they didn't give it up. But I'm just, it's it's funny how you know we're talking about unrest in Giant Land, and we're going to talk about now a solid road victory for the New York Jets. But that's not the story, Cal. You know that, and I know that. Because last Tuesday night, we were sitting here doing this show. I was show. trying to make it the story. <laughs> you can't control the narrative. It was, a, diver- it was a, di- a diversionary tactic. You cannot control the jet narrative. Only Mike Francesco can do that. There's only one guy in New York, and he wears the pontiff's cap on WF. Anyway, um, it's a terrible job. Jets are a disgrace. Um, Lance Bergman. <laughs> Lance Bergman. Lance Bergman. <laughs> Is he related to Ingrid? <laughs> Ingrid Bergman and, and Austin Romaine. Austin Romaine. Uh, the Jets last week, of course. Last Tuesday night, Cal, we were sitting here. We were talking about Braylon Edwards being arrested for a, a DUI the morning of uh, the 21st last week. And, of course, you know, lots of people – we said that night, and we had Rick from uh, PA who called in uh, and let us know that a suspension was not possible. Um, that they could suspend him or deactivate him for the game, but the NFLPA would file a grievance. Mm -hmm. And then, of course, this went on all week, Cal. 
Yeah, that was that was the part that that left a bad taste in my mouth. Was that they just by not making a definitive decision right away, they dragged this on up until an hour before game time on Sunday night. Okay, so that is a bad job by them, and I and I agree. And then you had Tannenbaum telling Paul Schwartz, who covers the Jets for uh, WFAN, telling Paul Schwartz that they were afraid that. They could not limit his playing time, Braylon Edwards, because the NFLPA could grieve that. And then, of course, there was a great eight minutes of radio where Mike Francesa completely ripped Paul Schwartz, a new one. Mm-hmm. Um, and basically, the conversation went away from what actually happened and went to how the Jets are going to handle it. You know what I mean? And, and, and the conversation became about the Jets are doing a terrible job handling this situation. Right. Because the Jets are a frat house, and it's Animal House, and Mr. Blutowski, fat, drunk, and stupid is no way to go through life, son. You know, it's, it became about how the Jets are this terrible band of degenerates. Right. Which, it's not, which is not the case. Well, it may be the case. But well, that's not the, the issue here. Right. It's A, it's not the issue. B, it's not the case. All right, okay, it's so not the case. The issue is the way that they handled it and the way they mismanaged the the um the the media relations of this whole thing. Exactly. It was as if Jay Horowitz had taken over this. <laughs> right. That's what I had texted to you. I, I texted yes, it's it, 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 Omar Manaya somehow handling the PR for this Braylon Edwards thing. That's right. Omar Tannenbaum. Right, because the, at, at every step they they misstep. Mm-hmm. What they should have just done was come out and said, "This is what we're going to do." Okay, right. we're gonna we're gonna bench him for a quarter. Okay, we're not. And then gonna, and then take your lumps on it if you have to. That's it. We're not gonna deactivate him. We're not gonna do this. We're not gonna do that. You know, don't hide behind the NFLPA. Don't hide behind the fact that he could file a grievance or they could file a grievance. You don't even have to hide behind the fact that by benching him for uh, a quarter and not starting him, you're you're penalizing him. Uh, penalizing him more than any other NFL team has done for the last 22 DUIs. And this is not to condone DUIs. It's terrible. It's an awful crime. And Braylon Edwards is a knucklehead. We said it last week. I felt that they should have benched him for the whole game. I felt he should have sat the whole game. I agree. Okay, but they didn't choose to do that. And you know what? They didn't have to. Why did the Jets suddenly have to become the standard bearer for the league? Because they have a band of degenerates on their team. That's right. Because Rex Ryan, uh, you know, curses at 10 o'clock at night on HBO. That's right. So obviously, everybody else who does this, it's fine the way it's handled. But the Jets are supposed to make an example of Braylon Edwards. You know, it, it, it became the story leading up to this game. And I want to stop talking about it, Cal, but I do want to say one thing. And, that is, and I've been waiting all week to say it. Where was the outrage in New York two years ago when Kareem McKenzie got arrested for DUI three days before a game? And the Giants not only didn't sit him or not start him, he started and did not miss a snap. Right. Where was the outrage? There was none. Where, 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 were, the, where were the columns from Mike Lupica and Gary Myers? Where was Tony Dungy? Where was Tony Dungy? Right. Because Tony Dungy right now is the all, um, you know, the moral compass, as they, uh, they've been saying a lot this week. The yeah. moral compass of the NFL. So Tony Dungy can sit there and tell you what's right and what's wrong. Yeah. 
Uh, yeah, good one. I, I mean, that's and, and let's not even talk about how he's a mentor to Michael Vick, but that's right. okay. Yeah, that's but, okay. You know, where was it? Where was the outrage? And, and you're going to tell me that Kareem McKenzie didn't have a rap sheet before he got arrested for the DUI. Uh, okay, does that mean he's less likely to kill someone when he's driving drunk? Yeah, it doesn't matter. Like, uh, does that actually play into it? Like, oh, I'm driving drunk, but that's okay. I haven't been arrested before. I've never gotten in trouble, so I'll be able to drive drunk better. Are you kidding? It, it's ridiculous. Really. Uh, look, we said, Cal, we said it coming into the season. Everybody said it. We didn't just say it, but we said it quite well and eloquently. <laughs> that the Jets had put a target on their back. Right. Well, we didn't know, you know, what we didn't know is that it extended to the entire league. And it, it extended to uh, the media as well. And it extended to their opponents. And it extends to the referees. And it extends, apparently, to everybody. You know what drives me crazy about it? It's it's lazy when you think about it. It's so easy to pick on the Jets and to and to attack them and to attack the way their their players act. It's very easy, you know. It's lazy, quite frankly. And yep. you never hear anybody come to their defense because everybody, you know, it's, let's let's all just gang up on the Jets. Let's just gang up on the Jets. And Rex Ryan's a bully, and let's just gang up on him. Yeah. Well, and, and you know, we see we have seen in the last few days, Kyle. I don't know if you've caught this, but uh, Raceman has been taking some of these guys to task. In the media. Yeah, and, and, and saying, you know, he, of course he doesn't approve of what Edwards did or whatever, but where was the outrage two years ago? Mm-hmm. Just because the Jets are supposed to be this animal house doesn't mean they should – it's the league's problem. The league right. should have something in place for an arrest the week of a game. And the real, but the real issue here is the way that they handled it in the media, I think. I, I agree. I agree. They did a terrible job. They should have just said, this is what we're doing. We made the decision. We're sticking with our guns. You have a problem with it? Well, unfortunately, the league does not mandate us to do any more, so this is what we're doing. Right, and if they, make that, if they make that decision on Wednesday, then right. by Saturday, nobody's talking about it again. Exactly. And, and we're, you know, we're embarrassed for Braylon Edwards. He did a terrible job. It's a huge mistake. We're going to give him another chance, and this is his punishment, and the league will met out the rest of his punishment when the legal procedure or, or the legal process runs its course. And, and, we're not, and, we're, and, yeah, and we're not talking about it anymore. We're focusing on the Dolphins this weekend. That's right. And, all right, Cal, Dr. Ayers telling us, to, you know, soapbox out. Done. Uh, but it, we, I had that. I'm sorry. That was just I had been posting on the gangrene.com. That was just eating at me all week. You know, and a certain, a certain radio host here in the metropolitan area has, has had a field day. You know, it's had a field day at the Jets' expense. But the game, Cal. Yeah, there was a game on Sunday night. Yes, and the number to call, by the way, folks, to talk about said game, 424-220-1817. But uh, the, the Jets, uh, to me, the story of the game, Cal, is Sanchez, again. Got to be. I mean, everybody ripped him after the first game, and then his performance against the Patriots, where he clearly outplayed Tom Brady, and then he went into, uh, you know, Miami, not an easy place to play, first game of the year, home opener, Mark Anthony, the whole shebang. Mark Anthony. <laughs> right? And Fergie. Mark Anthony and Fergie. <laughs> yeah, that's I didn't know I didn't realize they were up against that too. I mean that's you know, come on now. Yeah, that was like a uh, like a mashup. <laughs> but um but Sanchez, you know Sanchez is now playing the way that he did at the tail end of last season and in the playoffs. He's remaining composed. Yeah. He's, showing, he's showing a lot of maturity. He's managing the game well, and he's making big plays, too. Yeah, he's making plays down the field. He's uh, checking down when he needs to. 
Uh, he just had a really, really composed game. And that last touchdown drive, Cal, that put the game away uh, was just, a, I mean, that throw on third and 10 from the 50-yard line where he hit, you know, Edwards coming out of a cut uh, before Edwards even broke, hit him right on the back shoulder. Granted, the DB, uh, Allen, played the ball, you know, played, uh, made a terrible play on the ball. He should have been in front of but who cares? He made a ridiculously good throw, and it was a field throw. It was like, I know Edwards is going to be there. I know he's going to be coming out of his cut. I know where to put the ball, and he zipped it in there for 20 yards to keep the drive alive. It, you know, six touchdowns, zero interceptions uh, this season. And, right. you know, the, and that's over the last two weeks against two division rivals. So a great win for the Jets. The defense obviously got gashed. But I'm not – you know what the big thing to me, Cal, was? What's that? You, you, well, I know, I know, actually, I know what it is. You, you told me. Yeah, you look at what that defense does without Revis in the game. Right. It's a different – it's just he calls a different game. It's so much different. And, you know, they gave him a lot, they gave him a lot of room underneath. And yeah. Miami took it. And that's yeah. why they, they racked up so many yards in the game. Yes. Chad Henney uh, – we made Chad Henney look good. They always <laughs> make him look good, though. I know. But he they, is, you know what? He is good. He's a good quarterback, Steve. He has the opportunity to be a very good quarterback. I, I totally agree. I, I think uh, I think he can be a good quarterback. I think you know if he develops with uh, you know Brandon Marshall and they they started you know Marshall had a tremendous game, ten catches for 146 and a touch. Uh, again, no Revis, but I think Chad Henney could develop into a very very good quarterback. You saw them go with a much more traditional offense because the Wildcat wasn't working at all. The run game was not working at all. In fact, the Jets outgained the Dolphins by a lot. Uh, with the Wildcat, Brad Smith had a fantastic game for the Jets. Well, I think I think Rex Ryan made it, made it a real point to come into this game with a plan to stop the Wildcat. Miami beat them twice last year. Yep. They ran the wild the Wildcat, and and the Jets had a lot of problems with it last year. So I really think in between all of the Braylon Edwards nonsense this week, Rex Ryan was hard at work at putting together a plan to stop it. Yeah, I agree. And Doctor Ire just said, and he's ma- and and you're saying it, Cal too. I think it's okay to try to make Chad Henney beat you. Yeah, you know, you don't want to get beat, beat, right? You don't want to get beat by Ronnie Brown and the Wildcat again, you know? Right. Uh, so I, I think they did that. I think you'll see. Now you know what this game is. This is yeah. an admiral. This is an Admiral Akbar game coming up this week. Yeah, this this has the registered trademark next to it. That's right. It's, it's got Admiral Akbar. It's a drop. <laughs> I I just want to post a big picture of Admiral Akbar uh, <laughs> next to it. <laughs> Uh, because this the Jets going to Buffalo, 0-3 Buffalo, uh, after two huge division games, it is a, it's a trap. It's a trap game. That's what Herm used to say. It's a trap game. Okay? Yeah. Game's a trap. You look out for the game, game's a trap. You know what happens? You get trapped. Trap game. It's a trap. That's uncanny. <laughs> <laughs> I think I would start, start calling these Akbars. This is an Akbar. This is an Akbar. Listen... I would think that, but I did hear Rex Ryan yesterday on the radio talk about how he looks at the Buffalo game as a more important game than both the Baltimore game to start the season and the Minnesota game next week because it's a divisional game. Oh, absolutely. Rex Rex Ryan puts a ton, a ton of emphasis on these divisional games, calls them 1.5 games or one and a, you know, it's like picking up a game and a half in the division. And I think this week, He's going to have that Jet team really, really raring to go up in Buffalo. and He, he better because that's just – it's just have to. such a house of horrors. And, the, and the, you know, the, the Bills haven't made – I saw a stat today. 
Bills haven't made the playoffs since like 1999, and in that time, the Jets' record is like one game over 500 against them. Like, it's something. It's something terrible. It's just yeah. It's it, it, they should be beating up on the Buffalo Bills yearly, and the Bills always manage to sneak at least one game out. Last year, of course, the the Sanchez debacle. Yeah, that was uh, bad. Through the six picks, I don't think you'll see that again, but. He better have them fired up, Cal. Better have them coming out there and just going nutty. They just uh, got to be, yeah. They just got to be careful. You yep. know, they can't. They can. They cannot go in and take Buffalo for granted because Buffalo put thirty points on on the Patriots. Yep. And Ryan Fitzpatrick, uh, you know, is, is he not from Harvard? I believe he is. Is he from Harvard? Or maybe he's from? No, he's from Harvard. Sure. I saw. I saw the town last week, Cal. And. It was good. It was good. But I, I did walk out of the movie talking like Affleck. Really? You just couldn't help it. It was just like two hours of that dialect. Was it better than The Departed? Ooh, close. Ooh. I, you know what? I, I don't think – I think The Departed is a little overblown for my Is mind. it apples and oranges here? No, no. The, the, no the, you know what? The, the town is more like a 70s kind of caper movie. Okay. You know what I mean? The Departed's a little overwrought and Scorsese overwrought. Okay. You know, <laughs> I'm about to turn into Peter Griffin here. It, I, I did not care for it. <laughs> it insists upon itself. <laughs> I was waiting for that. Uh, no, but it was good. But you walked out of there and you're talking like this over here. So you're going to score one for Affleck over Damon in this case. Oh, well, I do have that thing for Matt Damon. I, I mean, they, they are they're invariably linked yes they are and and uh, to me damon's kicking his ass right now he is career wise have you seen have you seen matt damon on 30 rock yes solid very very solid yep uh i think damon you know you're talking about two players coming up at the same time you know and uh affleck had a gangbuster like three years you know like 35 40 home runs you know he did big blockbuster movies armageddon that kind of thing yeah, but Damon might be Jeter. Damon's Damon's Jeter. Maybe and, Damon's Jeter. and Affleck might be Aaron. He would hate him. Boy, they would both hate that one. They sure would. <laughs> anyway, back to the Jets. <laughs> and uh, they have a quarterback. Uh, but uh, they cut Trent Edwards, their opening day starter. They finally yeah. uh, cut bait with Trent Edwards, the Bills did. You know, it's not fun times with the Bills. No, it's not. And did you see that the, the Jaguars picked up Trent Edwards today yes. off of waivers? But did you see who the other team to put a claim in was? No. It was the Jets. The Jets put a claim in on Trent Edwards? Yes, and you're thinking, why? They have plenty of quarterbacks, right? Yeah. Well, there you go. Dr. Rire nailed it. Why don't you tell us, Dr. Rire, why did the Jets put in a claim for Trent Edwards? Uh, One of the most uh, exciting trends in in football today, gamesmanship. Ah, gamesmanship. Well, the, the Jets engaged in quite a bit of it this past week in Miami with Jason Taylor. Yeah, they did. And uh, they didn't even need to – two weeks ago, of course, the Patriots pick up Danny Woodhead. Right. Uh, and uh, the Jets try to put it – boy, could you imagine? Uh, see, that's not nice to Trent Edwards. Jets tried to pick up uh, – well, they did. They picked up Patrick Turner last right. week. Right. Well, they had Patrick Turner on their practice squad. All right. They activated, but they activated him for the game. But that was and, also because Braylon Edwards was probably going to be you know, out. Hey, I mean, and, he did actually play. Right. And in a, in a, in a break from, from the trend – the Rams actually picked up Chauncey Washington off of waivers from the Jets. Well, that's because they need a running back. <laughs> they do need a running back. 
And uh, Chauncey Washington probably, by the way, Cal, just revealing that, uh, just was picked up in 12 fantasy leagues. Of course. Yes. Uh, I know, uh, speaking of fantasy, we'll be talking to Dave Rutley in a little bit uh, from right. uh, ffadvisor.com. He's going to do a quick fantasy five with us, tell us uh, who the heck we should start this week. I'm 3-0, and and I'm loving my team. Okay, uh, we'll get to that later. <laughs> um, but with the, with the Jets, again, trap game, I think that if they come out and blow the doors off the Bills this week, I think this is like a symbolic game. I think you're looking at a team then that is focused and, to me, you can take seriously. You think they'll be ready to take off after this game? Wow. Am I supposed to – you want me to really answer that or I, – I do, but no. <laughs> but let me, I, let think me... all, I think all systems will be go, Cal. Shall I refuse? I think the trade tables will be in their upright position. On this, uh, oh God! Are the stop. are the bills going to be using their seats as flotation devices? Oh God! Stop! I, I, you know, I really, I as the words came out of my mouth, I realized what a horrible mistake I had just made. Do you have these all written down? No, I didn't. I didn't even. I wasn't thinking. Are these in your? Are these in a, oh. like, a book of quips? A book of cow quips? That was. Ugh. That was about as unfortunate a choice of words as I could come up with. <laughs> wow, and that was so un, unplanned. Well, uh, let's just try to pretend it didn't happen. But I think the Jets will take off and soar. <laughs> you think they're ready to fly? I think they're ready to fly. Uh, no, seriously, though, Cal, I think if yeah. they come out and blow the doors off of the Bills, that is a great sign for this season because it means they're focused. It means they're not going to play down to their competition, which is something good Jet teams always seem to do. Right. Um, and, and, you know, it harkens back to, you know, if they come and do that, it harkens back to the 12-4 and four year in 98 with Parcells where you knew you had a good team and you would go into Buffalo and just blow the doors off that team and, and not leave any doubt that you were going to win the game. And, see, let's be honest, they're, they are a much better team than the Bills right now, so they should go in there and blow them out. Well, a lot of teams are much better than the Bills right now. Yes, I know. 4-2-4-2-2-0. Are the Carolina Panthers better than the Bills right now, Cal? I don't think so. Wow, that stumped you, though. Yeah, Carolina's bad. Yes. Uh, and Carolina will be starting uh, Jimmy Clausen. Yeah. They, they started him this week and, and didn't, look, didn't look too good. Not so much. Jimmy Clausen era begins. Yeah. Uh, and, and just say we're going to get to the Yankees in a couple of seconds. 424 uh, 224-220-1817, the number to call. Actually, I think are we going to go to... Uh, Dr. E. Ray, we're going to go to our, uh, our FF advisor and uh, do the Fantasy Five now. Is that what we're going to do? Is Dr. he nodding? E. Oh, he's, he, Dr. E. Ray is screening a call right now. Oh, okay. Yeah, he's, uh, he's busy. Well, Cal, why don't you go ahead and, uh, go ahead and uh, read the spot? Yeah, well, you know, you know who's a better team than the, than the Bills right now is your fantasy team, Steve, at 3-0. That's right. For sure. That's sure. And uh, as you and Dr. E. Ray well know, our fantasy football league, La Familia, pretty competitive. You know, guys are always looking for an edge. Probably visit at least 10 sites a week trying to hunt down advice for their lineups. Who do you start? Who do you pick up? Fantasy football advice sites are like, they're like a cottage industry these days. They're quite frankly probably more sites than there are players to draft at this point. But we have got a new site for you. It's going to give you a huge edge and get, take the work out of fantasy. It's called fantasyadvisor.com. That's ffadvisor.com. The guys at ffadvisor.com 
You know what they've done, Steve? I don't. They've uh, they've gone mathematical with this thing. They've gone all mathematical up in there, and uh, they've designed an algorithm. Don't be scared. <laughs> Sounds like I, I was a little I was a little worried at first, but they designed an algorithm that tells you who to start, who to sit, and who to pick up. They also did a massive survey of fantasy footballers all over to find out what they want out of what they want out of and need out of a fantasy website, and have set it up to give it to you. So go to ffadvisor.com. That's F-F-A-D-V-I-S-O-R.com and take the guesswork out of fantasy football. All right. So, and speaking of ffadvisor.com, let's bring in our next guest, Cal, and we're going to do a little spot here called The Fantasy Five, as in The Fantasy Five Minutes. We're going to do that with Dave Rutley. Dave is one of the... Uh, the guys over at ffadvisor.com. And Dave is going to uh, help the three of us out with our fantasy teams. You have some champions here. So, uh, you know, you have some big-time fantasy players. He's going to tell us a little bit how this site helps us out. And also, Dave's a good guy. I went to college with Dave. Dave is fun times. Let's welcome Dave Rutley to Ready to Unload with Colin Sampete. Rutley, how are you, my friend? I'm doing fantastic, Sampete. How are you doing, brother? I'm good, man. It's been a long time since uh, I've spoken to Dave. Uh, Dave and I... Uh, I went to the University of Dayton together, and uh, Dave, before we get into, uh, I feel weird calling you Dave. I'm going to call you Rutley. Uh, That's fine. I like it, Campy. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, you wouldn't call me Steve. Um, exactly. <laughs> but before it's not we get into, on ceremony here. Right, exactly. Before we get into uh, our fantasy teams and stuff, why don't you tell us just a little bit uh, about what the site is? Yeah, absolutely. So Cal covered it in the spot, but uh, there's a lot of crap out there if you're a fantasy football fan. Fan. There's literally thousands of sites out there trying to tell you who to start, who to pick up, and there's really no way of knowing if they're any good or not. So me and a couple of my friends um, teamed up with some guys that had just graduated from MIT, mathematical guys, super geeks around the algorithm, and created <laughs> ffadvisor.com to let people know what site are best, where to go for the best information, and uh, so they don't waste their time and money, and they can really focus on having fun and winning, and, and that's really what it's all about. So that's what we built the site for, and uh, that's what we're out there doing. Awesome. Now, Ruddles, let's get into our uh, our teams here. I sent you over the uh, the rosters. I, I'm sure you had a chance to look at I, I, I Did I mention I'm 3-0? and You mentioned all right, it, it all right. over in the email a couple times. <laughs> I, I, uh, I'm 3-0. I'm off to a good start with my Rat Pack team. That's the name of my squad. And as you can see, uh, Rut, we have a uh, La Familia-themed deal. So, uh, you know, all of our, most of our team names are related to mobster movies. But anyway, Absolutely. Uh, so I'll go first. I wanna, my biggest question this week, going into this week, is uh, I got Des Bryant on a bye, and I have some average receivers uh, to start in his spot who would you go with uh, in that re- that second receiver spot? I have Calvin Johnson. He'll be starting again, Megatron. Uh, but who would you go with uh, in that second wide receiver spot? Yeah, you're being generous by saying average. I think, uh, <laughs> I think you're, you're struggling there in the second wide receiver spot, and bye week hurts you. Absolutely big thing on week four. Um, so for me, I think you really got to look at Lewis Murphy, especially in the PPR. Uh, right. You can throw on Houston all day. Gretkowski and Murphy, they've got a little bit of a thing going on there. Uh, Murphy is the underneath receiver. He goes the short routes, the medium routes, and Gretkowski is going to be running for his life behind that line as long as he's a starter. And so he's the guy that's going to get you six to eight receptions a game. And in your scoring system, that's hard to pass up. 
All right, so I'm going Lewis Murphy. Cal, what do you got? All right, Dave, I got a similar question. I, my quarterback, Tony Romo, is on a bye this week. My backup is Donovan McNabb going into Philly for the first time against the Eagles. Um, do I go with Donovan McNabb, or do I try to pick up a quarterback off the waiver wire this week? What do you think? Yeah, I, I think you stick with McNabb this week. Um, you know, the Redskin offense cannot run the ball at all, and they're not going to try. They're not going to try to run the ball at Philly. Um, they're going to they're gonna throw the ball. They're going to throw the ball a lot. You're going to see Donovan McNabb over 40 passes this week pretty easily. He's going to hit up Chris Gooley. He's going to make some big plays at Santana Moss. We've seen the Eagles. You can throw on them. It's not the same defense that it's been in the past three or four years. Um, and McNabb's going to be a better upside guy than just about anyone you're going to find on the waiver wire at this point. All right. All right, Dr. E. Ray, what do you got, my friend? Okay, uh, here we go. I, you know, Adrian Peterson's on by, which basically shows you what kind of season I had last year. Um, <laughs> I, have, uh, I have a couple of wide receivers, a couple of running backs I'd like to put in here. Do, do I trust Javid Best this week with this toe injury, or is Beanie Wells fully recovered? Who, who do you like better? Yeah, I, I like Beanie Wells better this week. Uh, San Diego, again, solid defense, but not anything that's really going to shut down a guy like Beanie Wells. Uh, you're seeing a motivated player in Beanie Wells, had some really nice runs uh, last week. Um, and, and he's a guy uh, coming back. He's healthy. He wants to show that he's the, he's the featured back. Arizona wants him to be the featured back. Arizona knows they can't win with Tim Hightower week in and week out. He's just not that sort of a running back. He's much better suited for that third down place. They're going to try to feature Beanie. They're going to try to run the ball because we know Derek Anderson throws the ball to the other team as much as he throws it to his own team, so they can't bank on him to win the game. <laughs> I, think, I think you're better off with Beanie. And, and the job at best, that, that turf toe thing, man, I've never had it, but it's got to be debilitating because every time a running back got it, he just he doesn't perform. Uh, so I, I stay away from him, and the Green Bay Packer defense is no joke, so I think it's a, it's a good time to sit best and let him get a week's rest on your bench. So you think it's best to – I'm not going to do it. But the turf, toe, the turf toe thing is definitely no fun uh, at all. And it's one of those football injuries like the groin or the turf toe where Herm Edwards used to say, he got a toe, he's going to be out. He got a toe. Uh, Dave, let's wrap up uh, real quick. Uh, and uh, can you give us uh, – one of the things you guys do at FF Advisor is, is you really tell us which site was the be- which was the best site last week. Who was your site of the week from last week? You know what, i got a special one for this first one. Given okay. the La Familia theme of your league, there's a site I want you to check out. It's called right. fantasygodfathers.com. Perfect example, one of the reasons we started our site. Uh, these guys just launched this year. They've been in the top three of our accuracy rankings the past two weeks. Um, and they really know their stuff, and everything is tied back to the classic mafia movies we all grew up with. So, you know, whether oh, that's it's- awesome. Who's sleeping with the fishes, guys you got to cut, um, who's made men, people that you need to acquire. It's a great site. It's a lot of interesting content. They're having a lot of fun with it. And most importantly, they're giving you some really great information. These guys on Saturday made a post that if you got Austin Collie in your lineup, start him. What's the guy do? He goes out and he's the second best wide receiver last week. So they know their stuff. It's a great site, entertaining. Check it out for sure. And they're having fun with it. All right, Dave, thanks so much, man. We'll definitely talk to you next week. And, uh, We'll check out Fantasy Godfathers, and, of course, we'll check out fadvisor.com. Ruddles, we'll talk to you next week, my man. All right. Take care, gentlemen. All right. Thanks, Dave. All right, Dave Rutley from ffadvisor.com. And, you know, one of the things we had talked about, Cal and Dr. E. Ray, 
uh, was, you know, not really doing a lot of fantasy sports and stuff because, you know, legitimate shows don't do that. Well, you know what? Forget that. Okay? We're having some fun with Dave. Dave's an awesome guy. He started a site, as he said, with a couple of his buddies. We all play fantasy sports, uh, you know, and we figured to take five minutes and have a little fun with it uh, is good. And uh, I think that's some good information. I will definitely be checking out, you know, Fantasy Godfathers because they make it fun. You know, <laughs> there's there, how many now, Cal? Yeah. How many times do you think they say, like, you know, drop the, you know, leave the gun, take the cannoli kind of thing? Wait. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm probably a lot. Let me let you in on a little secret, by the way. I would love to. I'm going to let you a little trade secret. Okay. Uh, I did check out ffadvisor.com last week. And did you win this past week? And I did win. I think you week. did. I did, and specifically, I have Austin Collie on my team, and I put him in the lineup at 12 o'clock on Sunday. So thank you, Dave Rutley. Thank you, ffadvisor.com. Wow. So not only using the product, telling you the truth, but but winning with the product. Swear to you. Yep. Wow. Wow, Rutley. Boy, I can't wait to hear from Rutley next week. That's fantastic. Right. And and I do and I do have to give Doctor E Ray credit. Sunday morning, I asked him, "What do you think, Romo or McNabb?" He said, "Stick with Romo." And he said, "What are you bothering me on a Sunday morning for? I'm having a muffin." And I'm going to tell you because I'm not playing you. That's right. But go with Romo. Go with Romo. Did he say it like Mike Francesa? He did. Go, <laughs> go with Romo. Go with, the, go with the quarterback. You got to go with Romo. Go with All right. Romo. So, Cal. Yeah. You know who else? You know what else is is cause to celebrate? The varsity. <laughs> time to talk about the Yankees. It's that time of year. Are they ready to celebrate tonight? Just about. Doctor E Ray, come in here and give us the score. What's and the update, the Yankees, one win to clinch. Magic number spot. one. Magic number of one, that little pulling the hat out like Davey Johnson. They used to have that. Dr. Eerie, what do you got? You're trying to get me to do the Sterling, aren't you? I ain't doing it. Ain't happening. Dang, what, come on what now. What happened? Yankees win 6-1 to one over Toronto. CC gets his 21st, goes 8 in the third. 8Ks, stellar game. Uh, Would have been better if Tampa had lost, but they win. Uh, with David Price getting his 19th win. It's going to be a tight Cy Young race. All right, so the New York Yankees clinch a playoff spot, not necessarily the NL East, but they do clinch a playoff spot after having a really difficult September. Very difficult. Uh, yeah. Their the record has not been good, uh, but we do point to the fact that, uh, and we're going to talk about the Yankees real quick and then get to the fun load. Uh, your call is 424-220-1817. Cal, with the Yanks, Dr. E. Ray said enough to know he said too much. CeCe Sabathia, <laughs> CeCe Sabathia gets the win tonight. Do you rely on anybody else in that rotation right now? Right now? I, I don't know. And the one guy that you, you absolutely cannot rely on is A.J. Burnett. Oh, A.J. Burnett. And, and we're not talking about a small sample size anymore. We're talking about, like, back to June, yeah. his ERA is over six. We're talking about the last four months. He's got 15 losses on this team. 15 it's, losses on a 95-win team. That's unheard of. That is not – Cal, and I, and I, go ahead. Nah, I just, I, just, I just think you're playing with a lot of fire if you trust him in a big spot. Now, see, now we can talk about the playoffs comfortably because they're in. Comfortably talk – like there was any doubt. 
Yeah, but, now, but you know what? I know, I know, I know, I know. I know. Absolutely. Now we can comfortably talk about the playoffs. I want to talk about two things, and we're going to need to bring Dr. Ray staff back in here or anybody else who wants to call up about the Yankees. Uh, but the one thing I want to talk about is now you can start talking about the playoffs. You can start talking about the rotation for said playoffs. And the rotation for the Yankees right now, not good times, Cal. No, they, they got a lot of times. They no. are not, they are not, you know, other teams are fighting their way to the bat rack when A.J. Burnett takes them out, okay? They're begging the coach, to, you know, they're begging the manager to put them in. This is it. I've been in a one for 25 skid. Put me in the game. Doctor, I don't know if Dr. Riri is here right now, but I, the question that I have is if you, if, if you need a fourth starter in the playoffs, and you might be able to get by with three in the first round the way that the off days work, but if at any point you need a fourth starter in the playoffs, would you trust Burnett over Vasquez at this point? I, so you're assuming that... That Hughes is your second or third starter. I got to I got to assume the top three in in some combination are Sabathia, Hughes, and Pettit. Now you need a fourth starter at some point. I think Who obviously the, I think obviously the what what the you know what the stand you know if it's the Yanks are up or losing depends you know depends on who they're going to go with. But I I think that they're going to go with Burnett even though he's been terrible. I mean I, I think they would. Well, that's what you think they're going to do. What you, I'm asking you, though, what do you, who would you trust more in that spot, Burnett or Vasquez? I'd go with Burnett. I, don't, I, don't, yeah. I, you know, I was the biggest supporter of Vasquez all year, and I just don't know what's wrong with this guy. And, there's, you know, he's a different pitcher. He's not getting anybody out when he starts. Um, I would definitely go Burnett. Well, like, like we said, though, e. Ray, we had said it when they made the trade and whatnot. He can't pitch in New York. I mean, yeah. he just, you know, two tours of duty with the Yankees. Not so good. You know, and and I'd be surprised if he's on the active roster for the playoffs. I don't I don't think he's got a place. To be honest with you, if if, if Girardi believes in Burnett, I, I don't think I don't think Vasquez makes the active roster at all. I think you got to take Burnett on the active roster, and you got to use him as your four guy. I mean, what's your choice, Ivan Nova? You know, no, I there's mean, no way they go with Nova. Right. At least you, Dustin Mosley. I mean, come on. At least at least Burnett's pitched in the playoffs. You know. Pitched in the playoffs for them last year and in the World Series and stuff. I, I mean, I, I think you got to go A.J. Burnett and hold your breath and hope you score nine runs. You yeah. know, the nice, the nice part about that is that if you have to use Burnett in that four spot, you're facing somebody else's four starter. That's right. You know, so you have a chance to, to you know, it's, it's the, the Al Nipper syndrome, I like to call it, when the Mets were down two games to one and got to face Al Nipper in game four of the 1986 World Series. And, and completely destroyed him, even, evened up the series, and it turned the series around. Anytime you get to face that fourth starter, you know, you, you, have, a, you have a great idea. Steve, let's great be idea. Here. Great situation. Sam Pete, Cal, let's be honest what the Yankees are going to do here. You know what they're going to do. They're going to do exactly what they did last year. CC is going to go in the fourth game. He's going to pitch 100 times in this playoff series. And this is exactly what they didn't want to do. But they're, again, their hand is forced. Right. And no, that's, that's true, E. Ray, but my question to you would be then, last year when they did that, who were your three starters? And the, the other two guys were Burnett and Pettit, right? Right. So you can't count on Burnett to do that this year. So that other guy is Hughes. Right. Does Hughes, does Hughes have a chance to be what Burnett was to give them solid outings in the playoffs when he's never been there before? I think he does. I, okay. I absolutely think he does, yeah. I think he okay. totally does. Okay, so they, may, they might, you know, 
they could be in better shape than they were last year because Hughes is a better uh, is potentially a better guy than Burnett in that spot. Well, and, I would and, say they're in better right. shape, but there's no they're doubt that as a fan, ahead. and I'm sure the Yankee management agrees with me, having CC start you know three times in, in you know, each series is a big problem. Uh, you know he's going to wear out. I, I just think he's going to. But I think that you know certainly Hughes in this particular situation, you know, fits this work. I think he's a good fit for the postseason. I think his stuff is real good when it comes, you know, the weather gets a little colder. Uh, I, I, Burnett, I, I just don't trust. Yeah, I, I, well, I, but, you know, you know CeCe in the, in the first series is not going to pitch three times. So you know he's going to pitch, right. he's only going to pitch twice. Exactly. So, you know, it, it depends on what they're up, what they're down. If they're down two games to one, then he's pitching game four on three days rest, if they're up two games to one, then you throw Burnett out there for game four and you have CeCe on game five. You know, th- there's a lot of ways they could go for that first series because it's a five-game set. But, uh, a- again, they're going to have to rely on CeCe Sabathia, who up until tonight had not been good for about two two or three weeks. Um, you know, had been kind of laboring a bit, and he's throwing 280,000 innings again. But, um, you know, I-, I think their entire uh, – you know, they're, they're, the entirety of their rotation depends on Sabathia coming in there. And, and to me, Hughes is the key swing guy. You know, he, he is the key swing guy. If you can get, like, two good outings, three good outings out of Hughes during the course of the playoffs, then they're going to have a great shot. Um, now, the last thing to talk about the Yanks is, of course, Dr. E. Ray and Cal, who do you like better as a matchup? Because now that they're in the playoffs, we can talk about that. Who do you like better as a matchup, Cal? Cal? Have we lost Cal? Oh, I'll jump in here. We might have lost Cal. Yeah, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll get Cal I, back. I think Minnesota <laughs> here. is a better matchup for them. They've lost four in a row. Uh, you know, I don't. The pitching for Minnesota doesn't scare me. Um, I think at this point, I'd rather play them, and I think that's who they'll end up getting. Correct? I think that ended right now. The Yankees lost the division. Yeah, to get Minnesota in the first turn, yeah. Round, yeah. Right. Right. Uh, you, so you're not afraid of the target field. You're not afraid of the scrappiness. You're not afraid of a decent rotation. You're not afraid of, like, the Twins have to beat them eventually kind of thing? No, I'm not afraid of that last point. I'll tell you that right now. You know, I just – nothing about the, you know, the Twins team scares me because we seem to always beat them, even when they've had better teams, in my opinion. Even when they had Santana. You know, it just they've had better teams than we've beaten them. I, I'm, not, I'm not worried about Minnesota. Okay, so you would say if it ended to, now, if the Yankees do win the East, though, uh, and they the Rays, as you said, won tonight as well. But if the Yankees do win the East, then they would get the Rangers. How do you feel? You got to feel great about the Rangers. I do. I mean, uh, obviously, the one thing that most Yankee fans will be frightened of, and I am as well, is facing Cliff Lee. Uh, right. Clearly, he has uh, shown that he can beat the Yankees. Last year was quite a display. Uh, but uh, again, yeah, but he can't pitch every day. Exactly. You can't pitch every day. It's not a team that scares me. They also did sweep us pretty nicely recently. So, uh, you know, I personally would rather see Minnesota. Uh, the division doesn't, you know, I don't really care about winning the division as long as we, you know, get to play Tampa in a championship. See, the other thing about that is that I, you know, I'm comfortable with Sabathia going against Liriano because I think Sabathia will clearly outpitch him in the playoffs. You put Cliff Lee up against Sabathia, now you may neutralize your biggest weapon in the playoffs in Sabathia. You, uh, yeah, you could. No, no, you could. I, I just, I, I think, 
the entirety, either matchup, I think either matchup really doesn't make a difference because to me, it's just going to be how the two and the three guy pitch. It's that simple. That simple. It's just going to be how Pettit and Hughes pitch. That's it. You know, it's and is Andy Pettit back from his groin injury? And is Phil Hughes ready to be a two or a three starter in the playoffs? They're going to hit enough. They have the best lineup in the playoffs by far, especially if Josh Hamilton, you know, is banged up. And if, uh, you know, Justin Morneau is not back from the concussion and now Maurer's a little banged up, Yankees have the best lineup by far and away. Far and away. And Cliff Lee Lee can't pitch every day. Neither can Francisco Liriano. You know, so they're going to hit enough. It's a matter of can they get Pettit and Hughes to be the two and the three guys that, that they need them to be. That's what it is for me. Yeah, I feel the same way, and I and I like the way that the bullpen has pitched lately for the Yankees too. So if if you have to get into that bullpen, and especially if you have like an an Ivan Nova in the bullpen as a long man, sure, you know if if for some chance one of the starters falters in one of these games, you, you're putting a quality arm into into the game. Now you're putting Nova into a spot that he's probably not. You know, we know he's not tested for, and we don't know how he's going to respond. But he's a good arm. You know? Yeah, no, I no, I totally agree. Uh, and uh, you know, but uh, Dr. Ray points out the Twins are about to lose their fifth in a row tonight. Uh, but I, I think they've taken the you know the pedal. I don't know if I'm sure Mal probably not playing in that game. I'm sure they're resting guys. They've wrapped up the division. Um, and congratulations to the Cincinnati Reds, Cal. Yeah, how about that? Let's throw that out there. I got a lot of friends uh, and folks out in in Cincinnati. Uh, out, you know, from from the Dayton days that are big Reds fans, and I wanted to throw out a congratulations to that team, and I will be pulling very hard for the Reds in the playoffs, Cal. Yeah, they're they're an easy team to root for, I think, especially over in the National League, because there's no way we're going to root for the Phillies. I don't want to see the Phillies there again. I'm not going to root for the Braves if they make it in. Those teams out west, eh, they don't really do it for me. Yeah, so... I think I think I'm going to get behind Cincinnati in the National League myself. Yeah, Cal. I think we go. I think we become Mets fans for Reds. I Mets think that's Reds. Why that's not? the way we go. Uh, because uh, I, I certainly don't want to see the Phillies there. And uh, Doctor Ray just asked us a question. Did you see that, uh, Cal? <laughs> Read that question. <laughs> All right. So the question is: Does Scott Baker, Liriano, Pavano, and Dunsing scare you? Baker, and- Liriano, Pavano, and Dunsing. And what was my answer? Well, if it was a law firm, <laughs> it would scare you. The law firm of Baker, Liriano, Pavano, and Dunsing. We are here for all your <laughs> sorry, just when you all your it. postseason needs. Right. <laughs> Do right. you need a win? <laughs> Do you need a win in the postseason? Do you need a big strikeout of A Rod? <laughs> Call just the way that Doctor. I know it's. Stupid, but just the way that Dr. Ray typed that out, it looked like a law firm to me. I'm Scott Baker, and I'm here for you. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, you know what does scare me if I'm a Yankee fan? Carl Pavano. Oh, could you imagine? Oh, just could you imagine that story being written? Oh boy, that would just be a guy who just signed a contract, took money. It's all right. They took care of him last year. They'll do the same this year. Was it was a complete dire straits song. It was money for nothing and the chick for free. For four years for Carl Pavano, he had no interest in pitching for the New York Yankees. None. No interest. And uh, he's had a pretty good year. 
with the Twins. But he had a pretty good year last year, and when yep. the chips were down in the playoffs, and he pitched a good game, if you remember, that game was game three, game four, pitched a real good game, and then they hit back-to-back home runs off him, and they beat him. Right. Yep, no, they did. They did. It would just be so, so delicious for Carpavano. Uh But, uh, yeah, the Yankees uh, clinched tonight, So uh, and uh, the Rays, of course, uh, clinched tonight with a win as well. And uh, nobody's afraid of the Rays, Cal. Well, I don't know why. They're a dangerous team. I know. I know. They got, they got good pitching. They're young and hungry. Yeah. They'll run all over you. Well, the, the thing you keep hearing is that, uh, you know, the, the Rays lineup is not good enough. And we heard this out of Dr. E. Ray last week. Right. And somehow they managed to score seven runs a game. I, I you know, I, I don't know. <laughs> just I, 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 if I was a Yankee fan, that's the team I would be afraid of. Now, you saw that Evan Longoria said, you know, where are the fans, right? You saw that, Cal? And David Price also. Yeah, that they had 12,000 there last night, and they're about to clinch. Mm-hmm. And Longoria's like, where are the fans? Well, you know, uh, Evan, have you taken a look around the ballpark? Yeah. The average fan is 78 years old, and the average citizen is 78 years old in that area. So where are the fans? They're at the Sizzler at 4.30. That's correct. Getting their dinner. <laughs> and in then they're at home. They're in Del Boca Vista. Come on. They're watching, they're watching reruns of Murder, She Wrote, when the, the race game is on. They're going to be in the pool. <laughs> they're going to be in the clubhouse. They're going to be on that shuffleboard court. They're with Frank Costanza, without a doubt. They're moving into Del Boca Vista. All right, you know what? Cal, let's take the Swam. Let's get the Swami in here. We have two things to discuss with the Swami, Cal. Yeah, we do. Number one is that a name change is in the offing. Is it really? And it's going to be very LeBron-esque. He is going to tell us what his new name is going to be. Okay. All right. And and, And then number two... Rough week for the Swamp. So let's see how he's feeling uh, with his pick. Swami, are you there? I'm here for the reaction. Oh, boy, we're having a rough rough with the connection, Swamp. Where, where is the Swami right now? Now the Swami is learning a new pro to be. A tribal politician doesn't take good. Oh, boy. Swam, we 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 gotta have you call back. We gotta have him call back. Boy, that was, was <laughs> and and we may need to send a lifeguard. Now I'm concerned for the Swami's well-being. Could he, he be is, calling from Atlantis? Maybe the casino. That's entirely possible. Yeah, underwater. <laughs> yeah, no, the underwater casino. Right. Uh, not Atlantic City. Right. No, no, no Atlantis. Atlantis. Right, right. Where the mermaids are. Because Atlantic Atlantic City is entirely possible. Swam, call us back, please. Uh, but call from a, a line that is not submerged. Not an aquatic line. Yeah, don't call us from the submarine. Cal, uh, while we're waiting for the swam to get back to us, uh, and, and hopefully he calls back in a second. There he is. He's right here. Is, there, is he there? Is he we're there? Summon, we're summoning the swami. Right. Swam, are you there? Are you back? I'm here. There I'm you here. Go. How do you hear me? There oh, you go. Yes. Oh, yes. Were you swimming? What happened? Actually... <laughs> Uh, you're not going to believe it, but the ship-to-shore connection isn't, isn't as good as I would have liked. You have to be very careful when you say that. I know. That, can, that, that little phrase can get away from you. As well as, I know. As rude other people in radio. Welcome back, Swam. Thank you. We were very concerned 
Uh, we were going to send Hasselhoff in after you, or maybe Pam Anderson. Very nice. Well, actually, actually you must remember, uh, I am ninja trained. Yes, you are absolutely ninja trained. You've been telling us here. All right, Swamp, here we go. Right. Num- number one, we, we have been talking about a new name for you, as the Swami is taken by somebody in another walk of the broadcasting world. Swam, do you have a new name that you would like to go by for your football picks? No. Uh, Moving yeah, on. I, All right. I, I kind of do. <laughs> uh, we're, gonna, we're just going to go back to uh, a name that I used to use years ago uh, in, in, a former, in a former life. Right. Uh, yeah. So... And what are we going with to tell the people what it is here? And Tough Tony from Brooklyn. No. Tough no. Tony from Brooklyn. No, no. Wow. Even I like that. That's, that's good. That's a whole new demographic we'll be bringing in with exactly. Tough Tony from Brooklyn. Exactly. Yeah. What do you got? What do you got? What's, what, what, what are you going with? Well, we're going to go with The Trooper. The Trooper? Yeah, oh, I, I, I like it. Dr. E. Ray, how do you feel about The Trooper? <laughs> I, I I'm stunned. You have to be a trooper. You have to be a trooper. You have to be a trooper to keep up with you guys. That's can we go with the? Uh, can we go with the sports sniper? The sports sniper. Wow! 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 That's... The, the, the 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 pick sniper. You could just go with the sniper. No, let's not. <laughs> no. Let's stop wasting time on my name. We can always uh, modify it later on. How about That's we get that. right to my my record? Yes, let's go right to your record. What is your record, Trooper? Terrible. I don't even want to bring it up. <laughs> Not good. Let, let, let's go right into this week. I know you guys are talking about the Yankees and the Tampa Bay Devil Rays and, and it's great timing and everything, but uh, I have several selections for the NFL uh, fourth week of competition. Yes, uh, this is your segment, Trooper. Super. All right. I'm, I'm, I'm not even going to... Revel in the fact that uh, the Chicago Bears were victorious on Monday Night Football, although there were people who remarked to the other. Uh, I mean, I didn't do really good overall, but I did get my Monday Night pick. If you remember. Yes, you did. Save the week. Okay. Save the week for you. Save the week. All right. How about we do uh, Baltimore and Pittsburgh? Very okay. tough game. Not much of a spread. Uh, I'm going to go with Pittsburgh. Take the Steelers. All right. Okay. I'm, all right. Like I'm it. Going into, I'm going into Detroit and Green Bay. I have a feeling that the Lions will be uh, victorious. Wow. The Lions over Green Bay. Uh-oh. Was that a bad thing? No, no. It just it, That would be an upset. That would be quite an upset. Well, there you go. Uh, <laughs> That's all right. If you're feeling it, if you're feeling it, I'm, I'm feeling okay. It. Carolina Panthers versus uh, the New Orleans Saints. Yes, uh, I got to go with the Saints. Yes, I think uh, I think I think they get home field advantage. I think it'll, it'll be it'll be a good game. Excellent. San Francisco Forty Niners and the Atlanta Falcons. Yeah, what's up with the Forty ers Swam? Yeah, I know. Struggling. I mean, I have this kind of gut feeling that sooner or later they have to, you know, strike gold as we, you know, to, to use a pun from the 49ers genre. <laughs> but but that, this week, that, after, that joke will be panned, my friend. Ooh, oh, very nice. Thank you. 
you could strike gold with that. Yeah, uh, I'm going to go with the Atlanta Falcons. I'll take the birds. Okay, all right. Like the Falcons, good. Yeah, yeah. I'm not. I'm not doing anything with Buffalo and the Jets. Like that's. that's I mean, provided uh, Sanchez does the same thing he did last week, uh, emulate a professional quarterback. It should be a walking, uh, walking a park for those guys. But, yes. So, all well, right. But you're not picking that game officially. Okay. I'm not not officially no. All right. Uh, I will like. Uh, they have Jacksonville Jaguars. I'm, I, I'm, I asked five people I know what is the name of the Jacksonville team, and no one knew it was the Jaguars. I don't is know that right? Wow. Yeah. And and I think this week with Indianapolis going in there. They're going to not want to know why the Jaguars had that name anyhow. So I'm going to go with Indianapolis. That's fair enough. So the Colts are taking over the Jaguars. Jaguars, yes. <laughs> the J may be silent, there's, like jogging. There's, right. There's a, another tough game with the Patriots going into Miami. Okay. I know they beat Buffalo, which wasn't much of a to do, but actually Buffalo gave them a, a fairly uh, decent run for their money. Going to Miami, it's uh, Miami's got home field. They got this. I'm still going to go with the Patriots. You like the Pats over the Dolphins on the Monday nighter, huh? Yeah. Very nice. So well, you know, I know you go way back with Tom Brady. Actually, I go back before Tom Brady, but way back <laughs> with Tom Brady. Yeah. Yes, I know. So all right, so you got the. Uh, so let's. let's oh, by uh, the way, Del Boca Vista is having a, uh, a special tomorrow. Uh, blue plate special at four o'clock. If you want to come down, <laughs> is that right? What's on the menu I, for the for the blue plate? <laughs> well, it's usually meatloaf because you, know, you don't have to worry about chewing it. For, right. For, and they have macaroni and cheese. It's 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 a staple. Right. I, I <laughs> did notice that you guys were getting down on the senior citizen crowd. No, no, we're not. We're we're no, down no, no, with no, no. we're down with the senior citizen crowd. Not by the way, Tampa is not uh, as. Uh, ancient as you think. No, it's is that right? Close. No, no. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you can say. I think there's another reason people don't go to see Tampa Bay, the, the team. It's got nothing to do with the senior citizens. Why They that? don't seem to, the, the town itself doesn't seem to be uh, geared. They like to do all their, their football, I mean their uh, baseball watching in spring season. Right, spring, you know, spring training crowd. Out, yeah, when it's 412 degrees, are very few people want to get into their uh, Cadillacs and jump down to the stadium. They'd rather right, watch it they, in the air-conditioned comfort of their home. Right. Well, they do. They do play in a dome, though. Yes, they do. But Doesn't still, make much it, difference. You got to get to the dome. <laughs> That's right. You got to get there. And a lot of those old caddies, the air conditioning doesn't work. Not well. Not, Not to well. mention when your when your right turn signal is on the whole time while you're driving there. You know, <laughs> and, it can take you know, a little problem. while. Yeah, another problem, when you wear those heavy, dark glasses, you know, the big, thick glasses, it's, it's, it's kind of tough to see any plays being made in the outfield. Absolutely. Swam, uh, before, uh, Swam Trooper. Trooper of the Swam. No, nah, I'm not. Listen, if you guys have suggestions, I'm open for anything. I'm telling you, we're going to do a contest. That's what we need to do. We need to wow, do a yeah. name, name the Swami, and we're going to have a little That's... contest set up on www.rtusports.com. And we're going to do Name the Swami. That's what we're going to do. Yeah. And the, the winner of the contest will get dinner with dinner with <laughs> They'll get dinner with me. Down right. at the, oh, no, they probably couldn't get down to that. Place. Yeah. But, if, if, hey, guys, I have to tell you something. Uh, 
watching the Yankees clinch uh, the game tonight, uh, what was like a, a you know, uh, not as exciting as I thought it was going to be. Yeah, well, when you do it every year, you know. Yeah. Sort of like, uh, here we are again, fellas. Champagne. Woo-hoo. Yeah, like it, it allows me to get into the into the final race, but it doesn't, you know, doesn't really mean much until you actually go down there and do it. So. No, absolutely. All right, Swan, we're going to run. Uh, okay, we got, guys. We got your picks down, and uh, we will talk to you next week. Keep your powder dry, pal. Aye, aye. We'll do. 10-4. All right. And uh, so the Swam will remain the Swami for another week, Cal. I think I like Swam Trooper. The best. <laughs> As Starship, Starship Trooper. I like the Sniper, but I think that gives away a little bit too much of maybe what the Swam was all about there. Yeah, that's a little... See, we can, we can name him the Sniper, but then he'd have to kill us. That's right. Kind of thing. And to me, it's just not worth it. <laughs> you want to know why it's not worth it? I do. Especially like right now, this time of year. I don't want to be killed this time of year. There's too I much know. going on. I I don't I can't think of a time of year I'd like to be killed, but I especially don't want to be killed right now. I couldn't What's agree that? more. Why is that, Cal? It's just there's just too much going on in the world of sports and television and pop culture. It's a great time of year. It is a great time of year, and it's time for the Ready to Unload Fun Load. There's the fun load music. All right, it worked. Yay! <clears throat> the Ready to Unload Fun Load brought to you by JokerDesign.net. Go to www.JokerDesign.net if you have a website in need of being designed. Billy Gepkin will take care of you. They designed our site, www.rtusports.com, which you should also check out, Cal, because we're going to start having uh, some bloggers on there. That's right. Look for one uh, tomorrow from uh, Caught Looking, and uh, that's a a blog spot called Caught Looking at Fourth and Inches. And uh, he has uh, rated the teams through three weeks of the NFL season. So he did a little breakdown of how he ranks the teams. And that'll be up on the site tomorrow. So, Cal, here in the fun load tonight, what we wanted to talk about, and uh, it's going to be an abbreviated one, an abridged one, a Reader's Digest, if you will. Okay, the cliff notes, maybe. The cliff notes of the, uh, the fun load. But what we want to talk about, it's a great time of the year. It's a great time of the sporting year because we are about to, and, and, and by this we're saying what, Cal? We're saying September, October, November. We're talking about, yeah, um, I would say from Labor Day until Thanksgiving. Right, because you got all three, all four majors are at it. Right. You got the World Series and the baseball playoffs. Mm-hmm. You got the NFL back. You got yep. college football on Saturdays. Yes, big. You got the NHL back, and, and Cal and I being, you know, two of 18 NHL fans left in the greater tri-state area that, for the Islanders. Uh, you know, you got the NHL back, you got the NBA back. Uh, it's a great time of sporting year, but alas, the, alack, I shall I shall counterpoint you, <laughs> and I will argue that there's another time of year that's that, that is just as good, and that's the beginning of the spring. And we're talking about the time from like the beginning of March until uh-huh. late May. Okay. 
All you right. want to give me? You want to give me President's Day through Memorial Day? I'm going to give you uh, Arbor Day, Secretary let's go, Day. Let's go. Yeah, President's Day. All right, that's a, good, that's a good time. Let's go President's Day through Memorial Day. Now, what do you got then? Well, what do you got? You've got you know you're coming out of the winter right. and the thaw in the air. Now you got spring training. Everybody gets excited for spring training. Everybody does, especially Everybody. especially us Mets fans. Sure, hope, hope springs eternal. Yes, that's when the Kool-Aid comes out. That's right. So you got spring training. Then you've got March Madness, which you know might, might actually be one of the most fun times of the year, bar none. Yes, totally. Okay. March, March Madness is followed up. And always, it always seems that the national championship game falls on or about opening day of the baseball season. Yep, and, then you, and, and it's usually on a, a Monday night, right? Like a Monday night, yeah. yeah. Uh, also, WrestleMania. <laughs> right. Those of you of who course. are into that. When, is, when is the, isn't the uh, Indy 500 Memorial Day? The Indy 500 is on Memorial Day. Now you've got the playoffs starting for basketball and hockey in April. Right. right. You've got like eight months of playoffs in those two sports. Right, I was just going to say. The, <laughs> the long pilgrimage to, right. to the championship begins. Right, but, it's, but at least it's fun because it's the beginning of the year. You've got the NFL draft. And the NFL draft, right. No, absolutely. So, so oh, you're, you're looking at two times of the year right. where it really, really gets jam-packed. We left something out of the, uh, the Labor Day to Thanksgiving, and that is college basketball starting as well. That's right. College basketball starts up. So You've got college basketball and college football. Right. All right, lot got, lot going on. You got the NHL, the NFL. The I mean, this is just. I and then the other thing to throw into the fall time of the year is that you got the new uh, shows on TV. I want to yeah. tie this in because I've been watching series premieres like all week. Yeah, and you know, thank goodness that the Mets are out of the race. That's true. In years past, I was able to watch my Thirty Rock. I was able yeah. to DVR Mad Men and watch it on Monday night. In years past, I used to sacrifice the, the television watching because the Mets were on every night. Well, I, I, yeah, exactly. And this year, not so much. <laughs> the last two years, I've been able to catch everything. Last two. Years. I mean, it's been it's been you know. Uh, I've watched some PBS right. the last couple of years. I, you know what, Cal? If given the choice between those two seasons, I don't know where I'd go with because. I love spring training for the reasons that you mentioned. Right. You know, you're, you're finally optimistic. And, 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 again, being a Met fan, the fall has meant so much disappointment, not just over the last, you know, four years, but overall in general. It's been so disappointing. Then I'm a Jet fan, and, you know, so many seasons have – and I shouldn't bitch and moan because, you know, since 1998, the Jets are a pretty good franchise. Right. But you've seen a lot of seasons already destroyed by Thanksgiving. Uh, the Knicks, <laughs> let's just move on. Uh, and the Islanders, let's move on double time. So I, I might have to go with the spring. Okay. Because hope springs eternal for the Mets. Right. Okay. I, I, I've been so starved for baseball, I finally get it back. Right. Right. You got the NFL draft, which is one of my favorite days of the year. Yeah, Huge. So much fun. monstrous. I don't watch a ton of college basketball until the tournament. Right. So the tournament is really the only college basketball I like. Mm-hmm. 
I gotta, I might have to go with the spring. The and, and and the same thing, the same thing with the NFL or the NBA and the NHL. Right, you don't watch a lot of regular season basketball or hockey, but you will check in in the playoffs. I watch a lot of, I know you do too, because we're sick people. Mm-hmm. That we watch a lot of regular season hockey. You and I watch yes. a lot of Islander games, Cal. Let's be honest. I yes. All right, but I, I but, <laughs> right, but I, I I watch maybe the first you know three months of the season, and then they're out of it for the playoffs, and so I won't watch hockey again until the playoffs. Right. But I can flip on a Penguins Capitals playoff game and watch it cover to cover. Okay. And watch Crosby and, you know, and, and, and uh, what do you call it, Ovechkin go at it. Yeah, I might be able to do that in the dead of winter. I don't think I would do that during the, one of these two times that we're talking about. You can't do that for the playoffs? Oh, in play- oh yeah, in the playoffs. Absolutely. That's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. In the oh. spring. I can do that oh. in the playoffs. Yes. My, my bad? Yes, I can. Right. And the same thing with the NBA. I can't for the NBA. <laughs> yeah. You know what? I, I'm going to be honest. I, I, I can't. cannot. I can't. You know, this, this, I, I will admit that this past NBA playoff season, I got into it a little bit because of the whole LeBron James right. saga. Sure. And I was into it more than I had been in years past. And, 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 and I was entertained. But once the, once the Heat were out, I didn't really follow too much more of, of the championship. No, I mean, why bother? You know, LeBron was I, – I, unless you're – I don't know. How many di- – it amazes me when there's a diehard NBA fan out there. It just does. I mean, I can understand. I mean, Simmons is a miracle to me. He is an absolute miracle to me. What an entire book. Yeah, I, I mean, I just, I don't understand the guy who loves the NBA. Now, I can understand loving your NBA team, but you know what? People love it. The guys I work with, Cal, love the yeah. NBA. Yeah there, are people, game. yeah, there are people that still, that still love it. And I, I used to... I I really love the NBA. I used to be into all of it when the, you know, back in the 90s when the Knicks were good. Right, but I the just, Knicks were good. That's, maybe the that's, the, that's the key to that phrase. I was watching the Knicks in 98. Forget about it. You know, I was, I was following that run, watching every playoff game. I was totally into it. Let me ask you a question. If, if the Knicks got good again, do you think you would be like really into the NBA? You know what? It depends on what else is going on. That's, it comes back to this seasonal thing. All right, so now that ties back to, to our theme here. Right. Or like which if, season's better? Right. Like the Knicks, you know, are making a playoff run. I'm probably going to be into it because there's nothing serious going on at that time of the year. But are you going to be into the Knicks or are you going to be into the entire NBA playoffs? No, 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 no. Just the Knicks. Okay. That's where, that's where I was going with that. Yeah, no, dear Lord, no. No, no, no. Okay. No, but, uh, but, uh, but there's nothing else going on there. I'm okay. Right. You know, that's why, you know, the spring, I, I, I'm going to go with the spring again because the baseball and the football, the playoffs are, are not then. It's like when I, you know, when you, when you had the Mets in the playoffs in 06, you know, or I go back to 2000, 2000, you know, with the Subway Series was the most stressful sporting time I've had in my life. I, I would agree with that. Oh, it was just, it was brutal. You know, that October was just brutal. And the Monday Night Miracle, Jets uh, coming back uh, from 30 points down against the Dolphins, was the Monday night. That was the off night. That was the off night for the Mets-Yankees World Series. I mean, I was just, I was exhausted. 
I remember I, I took – now, I had planned it ahead of time because I was planning on going to the parade. But I had taken <laughs> – I had taken three days. I planned three vacation days for after the World Series. You silly, silly man. Because I thought I would go to the parade. Turns out I needed those three days to recover. Right. Because that was just – it was just so r- ridiculously intense. Oh, there was a parade all right, Cal. <laughs> it was just not the parade you were planning on going to. I just, I just didn't go. Yeah, yeah, we stayed home from that parade. But I, 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 the fall is stressful for me because baseball playoffs, when the Mets in '06, in 2000, and '99, that's it's it's enjoyable. I wish they went every year, but it's stressful. Right, and with the Islanders never in the playoffs, you never have to worry about being stressed out in in April. No, exactly. But it also, for some reason, even when the Islanders, you know, a couple of years ago when they made the run with Pekka and Yashin and stuff and the Islanders were in the playoffs, there's nothing quite like NHL playoff hockey. I mean, NHL playoff hockey, watch it, is unbelievably intense. It's, it's just fantastic. All right? But it's, for some reason, baseball being such a grind. And the Mets go to the playoffs and the postseason so sporadically. And so rarely that those games, 06 was like, it's rough. I can't sleep. I'm waiting all day for the game. I, I, I can't watch the game in a bar because i got to be by myself. You know, Jet playoff games are the same way. Yeah, I, see, I found 99 and 2000 to be a million times worse than 06. Uh, well, yeah. Because, because you had no stress going into the playoffs in 06. That's in, in, 19, in 99 and 2000, the stress lasted you for all of September and yeah. October. That's true. That's true. But you could argue that it was more stressful in 2006 because they were supposed to win and they didn't. That was more disappointing. And so, right. But, you know, you're going seven games with the Cardinals and you're like, how are we even here? Anyway. Right. I think I'm going to go. I think I'm going to go with uh, the spring. Because if the Knicks are in the playoffs and the, and the Islanders are in the playoffs, it's less stress. I could have the two of them in the playoffs at the same time, watch the games nicely, not be worrying about the next game. Right. Uh, I love spring training because, you know, the Mets haven't sucked yet <laughs> and haven't sucked the marrow out of the life of the season. Right. Uh, I, I, you got the NFL draft, which, as a Jet fan, pretty much our time of the year. The weather gets nicer. The weather gets nicer. I get to play baseball again. Right. You know, so Cal, what are you going with? Are you going with fall or spring? Yeah, I'm going with spring also, and, and it's because of, of all of that. And there's just spring. Spring inherently is like, you know, not, not to get all philosophical here, but spring is like a renewal. It's, it's, a, it's the start. It, it's the beginning of things. And it just feels better. You get a better feeling in the spring as, as the weather gets warmer. And then in the fall, it's the other way around where you're coming to an end, you yeah. know? And it's just, it's, it's a little harsher in the fall. Right. And traditionally, our seasons are dying. Our seasons are usually dying in the fall. There's right. a greater, you know, it's like a risk-reward thing. There's a greater reward should the Mets ever win the World Series. Right. That would, that would trump any spring that we loved. Yes. You know, but... For right now, give me the spring. I'm going with the most wonderful time of the year. And I'm going with the idea that I uh, still love that I can watch Mad Men uh, on Sunday night because of the DVR, which is the greatest invention of the uh, 20th century, 21st century. Other than my kids being born, 
it's the best thing that's ever happened. <laughs> and my uh, wife agrees. <laughs> yes. Uh, well, the DVR, I think, should uh, or has saved so many marriages. It's absolutely staggering. Um, so uh, that's the, uh, the fun load for tonight. Thank you for listening. And now it is time for The Doctor is In. Time for a new segment, which we've been doing a couple of times. There we go. I don't think you're expecting that. Okay. I'll try. Let's bring back Dr. E. Ray Stat. He is a licensed physician in the state of New York. He is a surgeon, no less. And uh, it's time for the Doctor is in segment with Dr. E. Ray Stat. Dr. E. Ray, are we ready to go? We're ready to go, and I love my new uh, theme music. That is, uh, I've heard it before, though. Yes, I've heard it somewhere before. It, it was. Uh, oh, yeah. it, we'll get it. We'll get it to the point where it's you know good. There we go. See, we right, can well, talk over right that. Into it here. Yeah. Go ahead. All right, let's get right. We're having a very uh, feverish debate in the chat room about uh, the AL Cy Young uh, potential winner this year. What do you guys think? You think uh, Felix Fernandez has a chance at this with a 13 and 12 potential record, or does it probably go to CC or Price? I would jump all over that. I, I think that it it would be very difficult to give it to Felix Hernandez at the 12 and 12 record. However, his ERA is a ridiculous uh, number for the AL. He has had the worst run support in like the history of baseball. Uh, but I think you still got to give it to either CC or Price. I think you got to give it to the guy who's won 20 games. Uh, on the team that, you know, two teams that are going to the playoffs, I don't think you can give it to Felix Hernandez. Cal? Yeah, I um I just I know I know we're getting into the saber metrics and, and stats and advanced statistics and I don't think the world is ready for a thirteen and twelve um Cy Young Award winner. So I think it's gotta be Sabathia or Price and I think it's gonna be Sabathia is gonna win the Cy Young this year. Well Joey Boy five thirty in the chat room is not gonna be happy with that. Uh you know, his point basically is that the ERA is such a big difference, but I pointed out to him that in the past twenty years the worst winning percentages in the AL was 18 and 10 for Clemens in 1991. They're not giving it to Felix. Sorry. All right, let's move on to the next one. Uh, is guys, is the Islander season over before it started with Mark Street and Ocposo going out with surgery, shoulder injuries? Uh, yeah, I'm tempted to say yes. You can't say it though, but it, it's just amazing. They haven't even played a preseason game and these guys are out. You know, yeah. Mark Street was, was their best player last year. He's the leader of the team. He's out for six months. Six months takes you to March the most wonderful time of the year, and he's coming back with five games left. And that was two of the worst uh, little tidbits I have ever seen for a team that I've rooted for. I really had high expectations for the Islanders this year. Not Stanley Cup expectations, but, I mean, but realistically to compete for the eight or seven spot in the Eastern Conference and to have more, to me, Strite is terrible. And Kyle Ocposo, you know, fast becoming a captain on this Islander team, a, dra- a first-round draft pick from a couple of years ago really took off last year. Now, he has a shoulder surgery within two days of the other guy. And it's just, you know, the gods giveth and they taketh away in sports. I get a jet win, and then I get two Islanders out for six months at least, and the season is over. There is no way that well, you're looking at a top-five pick again. So, you know, who's the next Gretzky? Let's do this again. All right, well, uh, the doctor's diagnosis is the Islanders are done. Moving on, uh, Des Bryant, 
get stuck with a $55,000 cowboy dinner bill uh, last, I think it was last <laughs> night. Uh, guys, my question isn't, is this appropriate? It's how do you even spend $55,000 at a restaurant? Well, you, you got to work really hard to do it. And uh, I just hope that they had called the player protect program when they were leaving, because you know what drives up a dinner bill to $55,000? It ain't steak. Uh, it's, it's, it's uh, you know, the, the $500 a shot uh, Patron or, uh, you know, that's $55,000. Come on now. He probably should have just carried the bags. <laughs> carry the shoulder think, pads, pal. I think it would have carried the pads. It would, it would have been a lot cheaper. For, for $55,000. Gee whiz. And the other question is, was Wade Phillips there? Well, he can eat, but $55,000. Maybe they brought Nate Newton back for the dinner. <laughs> <laughs> well, the, the yep. final diagnosis is that's a lot of crystal. The New Jersey Nets apparently pulling out of the Mellow deal. Uh, where does Carmelo end up? Ooh, kinky. Uh, you know, we haven't talked NBA in a while since uh, LeBron pulled his, uh, his little move down to South Beach. But uh, I, you know what? I don't know. I do know this. I'm surprised at how far the Nets went in this. In that, I I would think Carmelo would really want to play for the Knicks or play for a just a bigger team. Although I guess the lore of Brooklyn in a couple of years is you know is something. But I, I was really surprised to see the Nets so high on his consideration list. Yeah, the Nets, the Nets gave it a shot, but I don't think he's going to wind up with the Nets. Um, I, um, wouldn't he have to just wind up with Miami? Isn't that where everybody goes now? Yeah, that would be disgusting. Right? That would be absolutely disgusting. Well, I think he should, well, I mean, I'm a Knicks fan, so I want to see him wind up with the Knicks. But the Knicks don't have a first-round pick to trade because Donnie Walsh traded it away already, and that's keeping them out of this deal. But I, if I'm Carmelo Anthony, I want to go somewhere more high-profile than the Nets. Because, you know, even when they move to Brooklyn, they're still going to be the second team in town. So diagnosis, negative. Diagnosis, I think he's staying in Denver and uh, signing with the the Knicks next year. All right, last one here, guys. Uh, As you guys mentioned earlier, um, the uh, Tampa Bay Devil Rays can't give away tickets fast enough. They may potentially have a non-sellout in the playoffs. Uh, My question is, do the... Do the Rays are they inter- Florida fans interested in this uh, this team, or are they you know early bird special like you mentioned? I really I really think that that park keeps a lot of a lot of fans away. That is just a, a disaster of a building to watch a baseball game in. And I think if they had a, a shiny new ballpark in downtown Tampa, I think that would sell out every game. Well, I've been to that park, Cal, and I've seen the Yankees there, and, and <clears throat> I was able to get tickets, you know, essentially coaching first base the week of the game uh, two years ago when they were on their way to uh, winning the ALE. And I will say this. I, I, I don't know if the building is as big a problem as where the building is situated. It's really, there's no town there. You know, it's Tampa, St. Pete. It's kind of in between. There's no town. If they put the new stadium next to where the Bucks play – that have a much better chance of drawing. But where they have it, it's in St. Pete. It's not even really in Tampa. And But you know what? They'll sell out the playoffs. They definitely will sell out the playoffs. This is not Atlanta we're talking about here. You know, much, like is, Tiger, uh, much like Tiger Woods, uh, a person signer, early bird special. 
<laughs> all right, that is all the time we have on Ready to Unload with Cal and Sammy and Dr. Teresa Dad. I'd like to thank Ron Blinus uh, for joining us and, uh, of course, Dave Rutley at FedEqualizer.com. We'll be back next show. Cal, final unload. Final unload. Congratulations to the Yankees making the postseason. Uh, final yeah, and my final unload is going to be, uh, I read this little nugget about Daryl Strawberry uh, beating Evan Longoria in a, uh, a restaurant, and Strawberry went over to him and said, I'd wish you good luck too, but not when you're playing against the Yankees. Hey, Daryl, my Yankees, is that right? You're a Met. Knock it off. That's all the time we have. We will see you folks next week on October 5th. Check out www.rtusports.com. And uh, good night, everybody. Thanks so much. All right, that is the 